autumn announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Hi, everybody. This is former WWE superstar Al Snow. And CWN is Sean Oliver. My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Now get on the train. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast in conjunction with the WZWA Network. I am the host of this program, California in Fury. I've had three beers now, so uh, I think it's necessary to sink a few cold ones because today we're talking to somebody that I'm very interested in the career of. I um, can't find any full-length shoot interviews of this guy, so this will be the ultimate interview that this man will have in his career and at this time i guess it's time to to introduce our guest for this episode of the podcast he is a member of well former member of the full-blooded italians in ecw as the bodyguard he is none other than big sal e graziano (laughs) Oh man, thanks. Such a buildup. There is so much to live up to here. This is this is horrifying. This is oh, horrifying. I know you said that you, you think that uh, me and Jack were going to fall asleep during this. Yeah, this but, is going to um, be this is going to be a fifteen minute show. If, if, you, if you think that we've got <laughs> your shorter show in history. The only the only way we're going to be falling asleep is if I drink too many beers or Jack smokes too many billies. Yes, probably Fair. the latter. Fair. Fair enough. So yeah, how are you the, going uh, tonight, bro? Thank you, man. Thank you guys for having me. This is uh, this is really cool. I was, I've actually been looking forward to this. Um, I, I told them, you know, I told the guys on uh, Conspiracy Horseman. I said, hey, I'm doing a show, uh, and I kept messing up your name, Carl. I kept calling you California instead of California. <laughs> right. And I'm like, is that the guy's name, California? And they're going, <laughs> and then I talked to Brant, and he smartened me up to the whole thing. I said, oh, all right, I get it now. Now I get it. Not a smart man. I just—it takes me a while to catch up. But I—I'm—I'm I'm looking forward to doing this. This would be fun. Like I, I really, honestly, I didn't do a lot of interviews. Um, only because, like, how many times can you hear this—the same stories from people, you know? And we all, you know, we're all going to talk about how much we loved it, and you know, every—we've seen the '67 resurrections of ECW and all the people trying to cash in. And I never just—I never got it. Never thought about it and just, all right, let's move on. Let's do something else. So, um, I don't mind. I, I like, I enjoyed the time. I like talking about it. And, you know, you, you, the, the fact that you have legit interest, and I said, sure, man, this is cool. If somebody asks, I'll, I'll talk. That's all. That's all it takes. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this. It'll be fun. Yes, but, me too, uh, Sal. What a, a buildup. Jeez. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Uh, Jack, you want to take it away? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. Um, of course, we wanted to start with sort of your early life, um, becoming a wrestling fan, like most people who get into the wrestling business. Um, what we're all kids wanting to be the next Hulk Hogan. Is that the same case for you? Uh, well, yeah. Like again, and pretty much anybody you sit in the seat who's a professional wrestler, and you ask them, so how did you get started? And they they'll all say the same thing. I used to love wrestling when I was growing up. And the same thing applied. I grew up in Queens. Um, it was, uh, and this probably means zero to you guys too. Uh, Channel 9 had WWE, WWF at the time. Uh, 
WOR's Channel 9 was at a Sea Caucus out of Jersey, and they had WWF on TV. So we would watch it there, you know, and that was, that was always Saturday. I, I want to say Saturday afternoons, and me and my dad would watch it, uh, or me and my grandpa would watch it, stuff like that. And then, you know, obviously, Vince grew the brand and all that. So, you know, then we moved to uh, the bigger and better, started getting on, on Channel 5, which was Fox uh, back in the day. Um, it started going on like right after cartoons. So Saturday morning cartoons and wrestling. That was, that was it. That was the, the big shit. And then, then also chiller theater. Cause that was on too. So that was be a thing. Um, and then Saturday night's main event, which also is now we got older. So Saturday night's main event, we would stay up late and watch that. Um, and at that point is the only other wrestling I had ever heard of was from magazines. Um, NWA, anything Texas, all that stuff was unavailable to us up north. I didn't have cable. You know, we were, we were watching WWF. That was it. That was, that was the real stuff. Everything else was garbage. And we're like, ugh, yuck, yeah. you know? Um, and then I remember, I'll never, I know this is very trivial, but growing up and we were, I was at a sleepover with a friend. We were hanging out and we were watching it. And we, cat, uh, on, on American TV, we have uh, UHF channels, which yeah. are, used to be the bottom dial on your TV. Yeah. yeah. Again, I'm not trying to talk to you guys like idiots. Like, I don't know what you guys have. I could say so. You'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Jack's um, a bit younger but, than me, so I don't think uh, he ever had to deal with those types of things. Never used but, one of those TVs, but I know what yeah. you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, there was, there was two dials on a TV at one point, man. So the bottom one was UHF, and we found uh, Florida wrestling. Dusty Rhodes, uh, the Purple Haze, Kevin Sullivan, and we were like, what the is this yeah. because again we had never you know again seeing names didn't know who people were but now we were seeing them on tv and we had to watch through this fuzzy screen and it was uh saturday nights late night i think it was 12 o'clock and we would you know sneak out and go watch uhf watch florida wrestling and so like now we felt like we found something like we were the, the people, the two people in New York who knew this. Um, <laughs> nobody else knew about this wrestling but us. And, you know, come to find out, we were the, probably the last people who knew. Um, moved to Jersey, got cable, and was smartened up to so much more wrestling. Um, started watching NWA. Uh, started watching, you know, Texas stuff. I started watching, I got uh, some Japan stuff, some Lucha Libre stuff. And it, it just, it kept building. You know, when you're a fan, when you're, and especially when you're younger, this is your obsession. This is what your life is. When you're not at school being bored or, you know, listening to bullshit from everyone else, this is what you went to. So you wanted to find out as much as possible. So like everyone else, you just absorbed anything you found on wrestling. So, and, you know, and, and it was a great time back in, you know, back in the 80s was amazing for you know the rock and wrestling stuff and it, that hit a big boom it was on MTV it was everywhere wrestling was everywhere so you could see you know you could always watch WWF and catch it somewhere yeah. and now I found out even when we're not watching that we can watch it somewhere else we can catch we you know we can read the magazines we can and it just kept building and he just kept wanting to do it so the minute you know, you got to school and they did the, give us an essay, what you'd like to do. And you're like, well, I'd like to be a professional wrestler. And they're like, oh, and everybody laughs because it's not, you know, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to, I want to be an architect. And you're like, well, I want to be a professional wrestler. I think it's awesome. You know, what? <laughs> Sorry, what? Yeah. 
And, you know, you have your parents come in because they're like, I think your son's retarded. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's how it all started. It all starts with the same, everybody will tell the same story. Everybody was just obsessed with wrestling as a kid. Everyone was. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone I know, man. Like, and they all talk, like people my age, man. I'm 22 years old. So they're always talking about, you know, like Bravisterios, Batistas, all those sorts of guys from when we were growing up in 2007. Right. But that sort of follows through every generation all the way back. So who is mm-hmm. your like influences growing up from wrestling? Uh, straight out. Uh, Blackjack Mulligan was one of my favorites growing up. Like, because, and here's the deal. They used to, first of all, he looked like my uncle Bobby, which I always pop for. I thought it was huge, hysterical, but he used to do the claw and he would hit dudes with the claw on TV and they'd put a big X over the screen. So you couldn't see the blood <laughs> <laughs> that he would, oh, he would wow. dig from the claw. And it was like, Oh shit, he broke this guy's skull open, you know, that sort of thing. And it was just amazing. Um, then I got to see, uh, the road warriors live at the, uh, the Dunn center in New Jersey. I think I was in f- freshman year in high school and I got to see them live and it was awesome. Like it was just amazing. Um, but I, you know, my, my father and my grandfather used to take me to live events, uh, back when Vince used to run in the back of churches. Like, uh, so now you're 22. So back yeah. in the day, back in the day, Vince used to put during the show, we're going to be WWE live and Finkel would do it. And it would be like, um, our lady of the Holy perpetual faith in Bensonhurst. <laughs> in the, like, in the, or, uh, like they were, they were doing bingo halls. You know, they were doing the, they were doing churches and back, you know, behind schools and indoor events like that, where you were getting a couple hundred people. And to me, like that was just so, I saw that was Sergeant Slaughter. Um, Blackjack Mulligan, Jimmy Snuka. Uh, those were the guys who I grew up watching, you know, and then those were the guys who I was just like, wow, man, this is awesome. And I used to, this is so bad. It's, oh, fucking, who cares? Uh, you know, I used to have a black cowboy hat when I was a little kid. Yeah. And I, and I used to, I used to wear a weightlifting glove, like Blackjack Mulligan. I thought it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's stupid. You know, it's dumb, but you know, when you're fucking around on a weekend, that's what you're doing, being an idiot. Um, so, but that was the thing. And then when I got older, I started liking the other, like I huge fan of Jake Roberts, huge fan of Vader, like his, his Japan shit and Stan Hansen. Love those guys. Um, so I always, I always was drawn to those guys, but then of course I don't, and I don't care who you are. Bullshit. I call bullshit to anybody who says no. You had Hogan, who, yeah. as a kid, you loved Hogan. I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care what kind of heel you are, what kind of a badass you're going to tell everybody you are. Everybody loved Hogan until they turned into a teenager. And then everybody hated Hogan. <laughs> that's, that's just how it works. Um, but that, that, those were the things, man. Like, you love those guys and these were the guys who you wanted to pattern yourself after uh, one one of the people who i found by accident and always loved was the great muda yeah. i loved great muda i loved uh kendo nagasaki uh and I, and I loved the great kabuki i thought those guys were great and you didn't see them on tv you never got to see those guys i read about them in magazines and was obsessed with them i loved them loved everything about them. 
So that, you know, those, those were guys who influenced me. And of course, you know, me being a high flyer was, they were the guys who, who completely influenced me in, in my wrestling career, because that's like just watching the stuff they did. Um, it was, it was just stuff I've never seen before. It must've been frustrating um, seeing these guys in these magazines and being obsessed with them and not having the chance to, to see them. And I guess maybe you'd have to like buy some tapes uh, that some, was, okay. somewhere. So that's, again, <laughs> that was another huge part of, of growing up in, in Jersey. Now um, there was a place called route one flea market and headhunters no longer available. These guys used to sell tapes for everything. They had wrestling, they had music, they had movies, all bootleg, all um, like rare shit. It would be like um, Kiss in Japan 1982. (laughs) And you buy this tape for $45 because it's a Kiss rare tape. And you put this tape in and it's a purple fucking line across the screen and you can barely see the fucking stage. But you see Gene blowing fire and you're like, damn, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was just... But then you'd get these wrestling tapes. That's also where I found the wrestling tapes. And I would get some of these Japan shows or Mexico shows. And I would watch them, even if you never heard of the guys. And you're like, who the fuck is this? And you watch these guys, and it's amazing the shit they were doing. Because we did not get to see that on, on WWF TV. You know, yeah. even, even when we were watching NWA, like, that was cool because it was new to me. But it wasn't the level that I was watching on these tapes. I'm going, man. Wow, look at this. Oh, shit, look at this barbed wire matches. And, oh, wow, look at these. This dude's jumping fucking crazy. Amazing stuff. Stuff that you did not see on TV. Yeah. So, so yeah. With, um, oh, go ahead, man. with your interest in sort of all that um, innovative sort of high-flying uh, wrestling that was very fresh in the uh, early 90s, uh, how did you first discover ECW and what was your initial reaction to it? Okay, ECW, um, I found... Yeah, let's see. I had just started training uh, 91. Yep. Um, 90 and 91. uh, Forgive me for dates, but I believe it was 91 because I was my senior year of high school. Yep. Um, So I had started training then. uh, I might have started, again, might have started training like that summer before, some 90. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I was up, we were hanging out one night, and I caught ECW on msg at like one in the morning yeah <laughs> it was like what the fuck is this and it was an arena show um and it was actually 911 and taz right so i was like well, i know <laughs> oh, taz like i knew taz from gleason's that was you know i knew taz from gleason's and then um was it uh ec was it ecpw or something one of the other, it was another Fed where he was the Tasmaniac, you know? So again, I'm like, oh, shit, I know Taz, oh shit, you know? And then <laughs> I'm watching it go in this, this guy, 911. I'm like, this guy is a monster. Look at the size of him. And I realized he was just working with Taz. So he looked huge. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I first met 911, I was standing there and I was like kind of looking around. I looked down. I was like, oh, hey, man. He's like, hey, uh, nice to meet you. I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. He goes, Al, like, oh, nice to meet you. Oh shit, that's nine on one. Oh shit, that guy's smaller than I am. All right, yeah. But uh, then I realized it was just he was working with Taz, so a guy looked like a giant. Um, but that was that was how I, I found it, and I remember saying, "Going, 
Jesus, this, this is, this looks crazy. And I said it to my friend, I was sitting across from my friend DJ and I said, I go, this shit's crazy. What the fuck? That's all I said. And <laughs> I never, you know, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't like, I'm going there. I just, I didn't have that in my mind. I was just like, all right, I just, we'll go we'll see what happens. So I was doing other stuff at the time too. I was, you know, working on different stuff and I did a couple of shows, you know, I was doing indie shows and I did a couple of shows and then uh, Devon reached out to me and I went, again, went to Gleason's. We trained, I trained with Devon. Um, Devon had been in ECW for a bit. I had just gotten back from Malaysia. I did a show in Malaysia and with Sergeant Slaughter and uh, who else? Oh, was Sergeant Slaughter, uh, Cousin Luke, Johnny Rods, um, Big Hito. Uh, Snooker, who else? Oh, uh, Demolition, uh, Bundy, Bam Bam. Like, it, it was a great, like, and that was my thing. I did indies with all those guys for a long time. Wow. Um, I got, you know, because Johnny Raj trained me, Johnny would take us to shows, you know, and it'd be one of those things where Johnny, I apologize for the bird in the back. Um, it fucking kills me. <laughs> um, so, uh, so we would go to these shows and we would do places like Horsehead, New York, you know, or like, uh, you know, bumfuck Massachusetts, shit like that. We would do these indie shows, but like, I got to work with SD Jones. I got to work with Junkyard Dog. I got to work oh. with Nikolai Volkov, Iron Sheik. I got to work with all these guys my first year of wrestling. Like these were the guys who I was traveling with. Who these are the guys who I was working with, and you know I, things, little nuances I never ever even thought about or never been taught or trained. And I was trained pretty well. Like they taught me some. You know, Johnny, Johnny is the master of the business. Okay, he can in and out and people. And that's the thing. Like when you know watching, you see Johnny Rods as the jobber on TV. Yeah, and he's be yeah. like jobber, jobber, jobber. And you realize my man knew so much shit. Um, like him and him and Piper used to live together and him and Piper used to train, like all these things that you start finding out, you're like, wow, this re the wrestling business, you know, as a kid, the minute you get into the business all goes away because everything gets blown the fuck apart. <laughs> Every, yeah. everything you believed in, everything you thought was real, you find out as a work and you're just like, what? <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was one of those situations where I was extremely lucky. Um, and so, again, I, my first year of wrestling, I was doing this with all these guys. And I was asked to go to Malaysia as part of this group package thing. And we all went and it was a big deal for us. It was really uh, almost it was insane. We went and there was news cameras at the airport. And I've never, come on, man. I, I didn't know shit about anything. Um, super fucking green. And I didn't know dick. But I had these guys, these older guys, you know. Bundy and Bam Bam, uh, Axe, and, and they were all there to say, hey, look, don't do this, do this. Hey, you got to do this, don't do this. Hey, watch out for this, do this. And I was so glad to have them there. They were super, super cool guys. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter, I'll never, and this was so, so insane. I was sitting in a pool with Sergeant Slaughter and we were talking. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. And all I wanted to do was like, I got to take a picture. Nobody's going to believe this. And then it's like, no, stupid, don't do that. You're a professional. Be a professional. Um, a funny story about that. I wound up uh, 
in Malaysia, it rains every morning and then it's sunny in the afternoon. And it was gray outside and we were sitting out in the pool on this, on this roof of this hotel. That's how it was amazing. And I'm talking with Sergeant Slaughter and I wound up getting sunburned to a point where I had blisters. I had sunburn blisters. And Sergeant, I, I told Sarge, you know, I figured, hey, we're buddies now. And I went, Sarge, man, I go, look at this. I got fucking blisters. And he went, bat. And he fucking chopped me across <laughs> oh, the no. chest. It's hard. <laughs> and he goes, ha, 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 And he laughed about it. We, you know, it, it was funny. Now it's funny. Back then I was like, <laughs> what am I doing? But yeah, this, it was funny. And, uh, but I was lucky to have these people with me. Um, guys like Tommy Dreamer. I trained with him. I knew Tommy um, from, from back in Gleason's and he was another guy who was always super cool and somebody that I became friends with. I became good friends with him and loved the guy. Uh, so I knew these guys from ECW, but I didn't, I never asked anybody. I was like, Hey, can I get a job? I just never thought about it. And then Devon calls me and he's like, Hey, you want to come for a tryout? And I was like, uh, sure. When you want to do this? He's like next week. I said, yeah, we'll do that. Um, the week before I was in a show with, for cousin Luke in the Martin Luther King high school in Queens, Astoria, Queens, I think it was anyway, um, went to the back, did my match, went to the back, took my boots off. Uh, he came and goes, Hey, you want to do me a favor? You need to run about, do a run out for the, for the battle Royal going to do. I said, yeah, no problem. Luke. We'll go there. Yeah. So I run back out and I shit pickle myself over the top to get out to go chase someone else. And as I come out, I hit my fucking bare ankle on this guardrail and broke it. Ah, oh, fuck, oh, fucking hell. I have never had a broken bone in my life. I've had, you know, broken toes or fingers and ribs. No big deal. This was the first broken real bone. So I said, uh-uh. I walked out of there. I, I put my, my gear off, took it, got dressed, and I walked up this gigantic flight of steps into the Martin Luther King High School Auditorium. It was awful. And I get in the car, me and my friends, we drove home. And I'm laying on the couch and I'm going, no, man, next week, I just got to rub this off. I've got ice around my foot. I'm like, it'll be fine. I'll be good. <laughs> and, <laughs> I get a call. Devon's like, yeah, you ready? I'm like, yeah, man, next week is going to be perfect. <laughs> oh, oh. And I take the fucking ice off and my, my ankle's black. And I'm like, oh, oh what shit. does that mean? What does that mean? Something? So I wound up getting the cast on. Um, broke the cast off in three weeks. Cause I was like, this is, I'm done with this and started wrestling again. Um, and we rescheduled my tryout, which I was heartbroken, but I did it. And Devon, uh, I went to, I was Queens, New York. It was at the queen on Queens Boulevard. Famous, famous place now for us. And, uh, I worked Spike Dudley and did, did the deal with Spike. I came out and the fan, it was amazing. Cause I was nobody, nobody knew who I was. Yeah. Um, I came out and they introduced me as uh, Sal E. That's all he said. And, uh, whatever. I don't care. So I went out and they told me, he goes, just start posing like Hogan. <laughs> so I said, all right. So I went out and I threw up the fucking poses, started posing, and, and the crowd hated me. They were just <laughs> absolutely, they just did not, they booed and they were just angry. And I'm doing the Hogan poses and I'm, you know, doing it and they're getting fucking heated. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm loving this because this is amazing. Um, and then they hit Spike's music. He runs out 3D, acid drop, boom, done. All right. So I, you know, take the bump, Spike, one, two, three. He walks up, he leaves eye powder out and I go walk in the back and there's Shane Douglas and Bam Bam and those guys. 
And they're all looking at me with these faces. Like I just fucking shot their mom. <laughs> and I'm like, and Shane Douglas goes, well, you fucked it. You did it now. And I'm like, oh shit. Like, what did I do? Like literally, what did I do? Like I was yeah. in the ring for 30 seconds and I, I, you know, I did everything. And Spike had said, you know, Spike was standing with his arms folded, like shaking his head. And I'm like, oh shit, what did I do? And uh, Shane goes, well, you fucked up. You got a job. And I'm like, oh, cool, man. That was fun. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. And then, you know, from that point on, it was um, basically, we're going to be here. Get there. Yeah. Okay. No problem. And I got there. You know what I mean? And, that, and that's the thing. Like, people automatically, they're like, oh, you got signed. No, no, you don't. You got, I got in there and then you got there. You got to the places they were working. Yeah. Um, awesome. And after hey, I did, after, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, hey, Jack, you know what's happening right now? What's Sal happening? is answering questions that we haven't asked yet that's on our. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no that's, that's okay. Just, that's that's okay. I, I'm, just, I'm just looking at the questions and I'm like, he's just ticking off all the questions without us having to ask them. It's, it's uh, good. It's good. But it, this is what happened uh, the last couple of uh, interviews. It seems to always happen. I like it. Very, I prefer. I kind yeah, of prefer the, sto- the story rolls along and we don't need to keep chiming in with our bullshit. Um, so that's how you kind of, yeah, that's how you got hired by, um, ECW. Um, I have to apologize because, uh, as I was doing my research for the interview, I I can't find any information about you. So I had no idea that you started in 91 and that you were trained by Uh, ECW. I didn't, I I didn't didn't know any of that ECW till 1997. Yeah, that's it. That's when I I first started. I I had no idea that you had already been, been working. I was on Match.net doesn't have the appropriate information, obviously. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I was back and forth from '91. Uh, you know, I was basically I would do the summer shows. Um, like I would go with Johnny, and we would do fair state fairs and stuff like that. Right. Um, and then I went to college for a year. So then, like, I took time off from that, and then I just then I stopped. And I. I dropped out of college i was like eh, this is not for me it's not what i want and then uh i did other things i you know made did some movies and i did you know i was going other other directions and when wrestling would come i would take it you know if i had the opportunity i'd go okay all right oh if we got this all right yeah oh the show's gonna be here cool i'll be here yeah i'll be great so i would do local stuff from you know jersey living in jersey i would do local stuff um we had a local promoter uh dennis Galam. UWA, I think it was, uh, it was, you know, it was fun stuff. It was just, that's where I got to meet, um, Bill DeMott. Oh yeah. Now I met Bill DeMott when I was, before I got into the business, he was, uh, doing the road, was it road warrior crash, which obviously didn't go anywhere, but he did that. <laughs> and, um, back when he's, he's also a Johnny Rods guy and he was known as sweet William back in the day. So when I had saw him again, I was like, oh, my God, I remember that guy. Because my first event, uh, my first match at the Browns Hotel in up, upstate New York um, as, as the monster Matt Man. That was Johnny Rods' creation. Um, and I wore a hood for a long time. Um, I loved because I loved the hood. I loved wearing hoods. thought it was great. If I couldn't wear hoods, I wanted to wear makeup. And Johnny was like, no, 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 don't do that. So he always wanted me in a hood. He kept telling me, oh, 
your face, look at you. You look like a, you're 12 years old. You're 12 years, you're not scary. You're not scared. Grow a beard. And I'm like, I don't want to grow a beard. <laughs> and it, well, grow a beard, you fucking idiot. You look, you look like you're 12 years old. And then put a hood on. You got to put a hood on. So that was, that was the runaround for years. Me and him went back and forth at that. Um, I was always into horror, wanted to do horror stuff. And he's like, listen to me. And I, I listen to him because he, he knows, you know, and people kind of laugh sometimes. And um, me and Spanish Angel uh, from the yeah. Baldies. Yeah. So Angel's original gimmick was uh, Spanish Flamingo. And that was from Johnny. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And then Angel came up with a different idea, you know, where the, the, the half, half leather mask Long before, long before mankind did it, yeah. you know, that was, you know, so that was the thing. It was a, it was really cool to see, you know, Johnny let us kind of do our own thing, but in the end we did what he wanted. Um, but he had the experience. So we listened to him. So again, uh, met big, met sweet William again, uh, Bill at, uh, at shows in Jersey. And I used to, I used to give him shit as a fan on one side of the rail. And then, started talking to him and then i realized i was like oh man you know once i had my first match and he saw me he's like oh hey man and, you know he recognized and i said oh yeah how you been man great guy one of the one of the best guys ever who i feel like and again i'm not going to take any political platform or anything but they demonized that guy to some extent because they always said he was so harsh on people and he was rough on people well, he was he was a trainer he wanted to make sure you know people were trained well have, have, has so, nobody heard of Stu Hart? <laughs> right, yeah. Well, but that's the thing. Somebody like Stu Hart does it, and they go, oh, he was tough in the dungeon. And then guys like Bill do it, and they go, oh, he just bullied people. All right, whatever. So I, um, Jack, that's, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, Jack, do you had a couple more questions in your section before it was time for me to um, take over? Before your uh, ECW debut in uh, 97, were you training at all in the House of Hardcore to sort of scratch up to their style or they just throw you straight nope. in? Straight in? No, I, <clears throat> here's the thing. I, uh, I'd never been to the House of Hardcore. Uh, I was there a few times to go pick up stuff. I uh, never trained there. Um, I, the thing about Gleason's, once you are a member at Gleason's and you pay your dues, you are a member for life. Yep. Uh, you go whenever you want. You go and you work out you go and you train. And that was the thing. There were, you know, there were times on just you work for the week and then go on the weekends and you go work out at Gleason's um, and you see the guys and you have, you know, you, it, that was the thing. Like we would just all meet up and we all work. And, and then when we weren't going to Gleason's, we were doing indie shows. So it was kind of like, you just never stopped. It wasn't a situation of just like, I'm not going to go train today. And yep. just don't do anything. You were always somewhere. You know, you were either training or working. Yeah. So, you know, so it was one of those things. And, and, and uh, again, it's, I look back now talking about it, looking back, it was like, I don't, I don't even know what they do anymore. Like, I'm not sure what these, uh, what the schools are doing now. But I knew Gleason's was something like, that's always been a thing. Like, that's, that was a cool brotherhood of people. You know, even the guys who didn't get along. Um, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> You're up, Carl. All right. Um, so you, you did mention your ECW debut. I suppose that was at a uh, house show with um, Little Spike Dudley. 
Mm -hmm. uh, how long after that were you now told by whoever that you were going to be joining the full-blooded Italians with Little Guido, Tommy Rich, and Tracy Smothers? So I was doing the program with, with Spike for a while. Um, and it was just, you know, it was, actually it was, it was great. You go in, you do your gaga, and then Spike comes in, acid drop, call it a day. And I was like, fuck, yeah, all right. Um, Did every match, they, was every match like you go for a clothesline, he ducks, kicks you in the dick, acid drop, yep. one, two, three? Acid drop. Yep. yep, that was a deal. So, easy, easy night at the office. Right. So now the thing is, uh, and I know, I know this is probably old hat by now, people know this, but you just, you know, go in and do your job. No, don't bitch. It ain't going to go, uh, I'm not getting enough of a push. Can I get more TV time? You don't do that. Like, you didn't do that shit. You just do what they do. They'll figure something out for you. And that was the thing. They didn't know what to do with me. Um, right, they, put me okay. with, uh, they put me with Just Incredible for a while. And it was me, Justin, uh, Jason. Um, and it was like, Nicole it was Bass. always, it was, uh, not yet. She wasn't not there yet. yet. No. And um, I think uh, Chastity. Okay, yeah. So like, it was always us together. We'd go out and there would be a schmaz, And it was always with us, a big thing at the end where we all got involved. So I was with Justin's crew for a while. Um, and then they, they came up with an idea. Uh, I can't, I want to say, it might've been Chetty and Danny Doring where uh, they wanted to do like a Sally nightlife. And they were going to do this gift <laughs> where I had a disco ball and would just hold it. <laughs> and I would bring red velvet ropes and I would be the bouncer for them. <laughs> You know, him and him and Chetty would show up in the in the the silk shirts and the whole bit, and then I would do the the bouncer gimmick, and just do promos and stuff. And we thought it'd be fun. It just never came about. Um, Paul said he loved the idea of Sally Nightlife. He's like, "Oh, I love it. It's great." And then nothing ever came out of it. And the one day they decided to put me with the FBI. Yeah. And they thought, okay, well, instead, put Guido on your shoulders. So. When you walk out, it's all right. And we did that. Little did I know I'd be wearing him as a hat for the next couple of years. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that was the thing of every, you just go out with them, go out with them. And then at the pay-per-view, we did the, you know, when we, we ditched Tommy Rich. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was, that was like my first big push. What was it like to work with Guido? Oh, Guido's insane. He's a maniac. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's legit nuts. Uh, he's super smart because he's well, he's not going to watch this, so I can say that he is he is always three steps ahead, yeah. and he can take someone out so fast. It's like it's so funny because he's a small dude, and he could just take someone right the fuck down. It's amazing to watch him actually shoot on somebody. It's great, uh -huh. but he's so nervous about everything else. He is legit. He worries about everything. I don't look. Is it okay? Do you think Tommy's going to get mad? And he was always worried because he knew after the show, he had a car ride with Dreamer and probably Paul. So if something went wrong, he was going to hear it. And he yeah. was always worrying, always worrying. He's, he's the guy who will call you and want to discuss the match and likely send you 
17 pages of ideas. Yeah. And you're like, okay, Guido, we just have to go out <laughs> five minutes and then we have to powder out of the ring. Okay. But what, what if we do this? And then it would just, it would be a 12 layer <laughs> story. He wanted to tell in the ring and you're like, okay, well, let's just call it in the ring. And that would, that when any, anybody wanted to rib him, no matter who it was, who worked with him, all they would say was, let's call it in the ring. And he would lose his mind. He would just go bananas. And he would, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. And he gets nervous and he gets, he gets upset. He, gets, he can't think. And he would just get crazy. So we would love doing that to him. Um, we, would, like, we would get to a, an event. And the show would start at 7. And it would, you know, the lineup would be up. And we're on like 4th, 3rd, or 4th. And then Dreamer would just walk up to him and go, Quiz, you guys are on first. We switched it. Wait, what? 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 I didn't work out yet. He didn't do anything yet, so he'd freak out. And, and then Dreamer would just walk by. And I'd go, are we on first? He goes, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it would be one of those things where he would just go bananas. And he, but that, honestly, he is, he's a machine, that dude. Unreal. And he looks, you know what? Like, I just talked to him not long ago. He looks just as good as he did. I can imagine. Like, uh, unreal uh, from from the 90s up until he was like you know in the later stages of his wwe career he always ridiculous ridiculous yeah. he's like i expect to find a, a weird picture somewhere in his house that's aged and horrible like dorian gray because he doesn't he just doesn't age um would i be correct in stating i've looked uh, Cagematch.net is where I went to get information about you, and I'm not sure if it's all correct. But um, would I be? Did it say I died in there? No, but there's something on Reddit. Someone asked if you were still alive on Reddit. Um, yeah, there was there was like I I think three times I died. Um, <laughs> uh, but would so, I be yeah. correct in um, stating that on it was August 20th, 1998, that you made your ECW Hardcore TV debut in New York against Spike Dudley? Uh, maybe I again I dates I'm no good at I like there are people who we did a trivia game and they were like on this date I was like what I was there and I don't remember like I was like, do what date that was um but I think when we did the hardcore TV I think I did do I did do the program with Spike yeah yeah um so there was also August 29th 1998 you wrestled on hardcore TV in Philly against uh John Cronus um, oh yeah 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 it seemed like uh, you uh during that time you were mainly working with cronus and spike on a lot of the uh house shows, house shows um, yep. what, are, what are your memories yeah. of uh working with john cronus again um I, i'm probably going to use this word a lot he was a mental patient um <laughs> i think i'm going to use that word for most of the people that i hung out and worked with because it, it always just seemed like so okay people have jobs where you go to the office and then they, you know, they go and have a beer and then they, they go home and they're telling stories about, so there's this one guy at the office. He is the funniest guy. He does a spot on impersonation of Bill Cosby. And you're like, okay, John Cronus is that guy you would tell work stories about, but then <laughs> just so far out there. Cause you'd be like, there's a guy I work with who showed up to the show bleeding. <laughs> you're like what how did what do you mean yeah he showed up to the building he was already bleeding okay um and this was like a friday so like it wasn't like you were working during the week so what the fuck are you bleeding for and he would go no no don't worry about it let's go okay let's go over the match and you're like 
Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, he was honestly, he was honest guy, like just to talk to you and tell you if something's wrong, he didn't like it. He would tell you, but he was, just, he's just insane. Uh, and the same will go and, I'm, and maybe we'll talk about it later. Balls Mahoney who became a good friend of mine, complete mental patient. I was about to bring him up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 17th of April, 1999 on Hardcore TV in Buffalo. You and Guido teamed up against uh, Axel and Balls Mahoney. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know, first and foremost, uh, have you ever taken a chair shot from Balls Mahoney? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, dude. Actually, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yikes. Uh, I got to no sell it, which was pretty good, so I took two more for my troubles. Oh, shit. Oh, my. Yeah, I think it's actually uh, – it might be the L.A. L.A. Uh, – Oh, the uh, heat wave pay per view, yeah, yeah. Because I he he hits me with the the chair, do the no sell, and he hits me again, and the chair got fucked. The chair was destroyed, and uh, I think, and also memories of my third grade class were gone with that chair shot. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, yeah, we did. We had fuck. L.A. was good. We had fun. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, chair shot. So there you go. It works. Uh, yeah, the uh, I, I took the chair shots. I've I've never taken the chair shots. Guys like Danny and RK took, but oof, uh, that was rough. Uh, but yeah, I've like that. Yeah, we we we've had some had some good ones. And and I was and here's the thing, I was a younger man then, and I was very much uh, wanting approval, so I would volunteer for things. Of course, yeah. You know, I would volunteer. Hey, man, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll jump off a ladder and go through a table. Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, you want me to? I'll, I'll do it off the off the apron. I'll carry super crazy off the apron and go through a table. Yeah, I'll do it. You know, uh, you guys want to fuck? You need color? I'll do it. And they never like Dreamer would never let me. He would like no, don't. And he just wouldn't let me. So I was like, God damn it. Um, but yeah, have, it was. Uh, do you have any crazy Bulls Mahoney stories? Oh, I have. How much time we got? <laughs> as much <laughs> as you need. Um, so, okay, what kind? Okay, give me give me some parameters. Oh God! No, pra- have, no parameters. No parameters. Uh, you right. unrestricted man. We were in Atlanta. We were in Atlanta, and uh, we went to a bar right by the hotel after the sh- after the show. And we were both not in real great moods. A lot going on, and we were just both cranky and we found out that scott steiner this is like his bar or he hangs out there or he knew the owner, whatever it was this was scott steiner's bar because when we walked in and of course as as per the usual balls would walk in have his head all taped up from the show and of course when you go into public into a fucking public place people are like why are you bleeding sir um <laughs> So we went to this bar and people, like some people knew us because we were just kind of getting a kind of a big push at that point. We were competing with WCW at this point. You know, like we weren't trailing them. We were, we were up and up with them and we were in their area. This was when we were starting to take over WCW stuff, you know, and like, yeah. so when, when we would do, we would do the Atlanta region and the South, we were in WCW land. Yeah. So we go to this bar and we find out it's a Scott Steiner hangout. And then Ball starts in with, Oh, where is he? Where's he going to let the pussy show up? And I'm like, Oh, 
Jesus Christ. Right. And I'm sitting there with my beard. I'm just like, because, mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, well, well, here we go. And, you know, we had college guys who were with their collars up. Oh, what did you say about Scott Steiner? I know Scott Steiner. Okay, great. Everybody knows Scott Steiner. It's like in Jersey, everybody knows Bam Bam. Terrific. Um, and then that started up a little, little dust up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was just, it was honestly, it was, it was, it was, it was unnecessary. But we laughed about it as we're leaving. We're leaving the bar, right? People are still fighting in the bar, and we we are leaving. We walked out, and and we're going, what the fuck? How did, how did this happen? Fight started pretty much by, by us, and we walked out of the bar when the fight's still going on when the cops showed up. <laughs> and we, walked, we, we just walked to our rental car, and we're leaving as the cops pulled in, and we're like, oh, cool. So it was kind of one of those, like, that was, that was a turning point in my life when I went, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> this is... I, yeah, this is pretty awesome because you could pretty much, you know, now you can do what you want. I, I get it how guys can be assholes and just be utter pricks. But, yeah, man, I got it because you can do whatever the fuck we want. We're on TV. And it just felt that it, like that's the vibe that was coming off because we were winning. We were starting to win. ECW was becoming something. And there was and I, no joke. I, I know a lot of people say it, but. Uh, there was some pride in that. There was a thing back then. Like that was like, we worked hard for it. We yeah. worked hard to get it. So it was very cool to see, you know, to kind of get a little bit of a celebrity rub about it because again, never do you think even, even, uh, you know, I, I have worked in ECW. Great. I know I'm not a household name. I know like I can go to anybody on the street and people under the age of 40 will be like, I don't know who you are. And I'm like, that's fine. I'm cool with that. But at the time, it was a thing that I had a lot of pride in. I, I really cared about ECW, and I think everybody did, and that's why we did what we did as much and as hard as we did it. Um, how did you feel when um, Tommy Rich and Tracy Smothers left ECW and left the FBI to just you and Guido? Um, were you excited about it being just you and Guido? or Nervous. How did you feel? You, you were nervous about it? Because Tracy was, now again, Tracy is uh, another insane person who he was a great captain of a ship. And as crazy as he was, he knows what works. The guy's been doing this for a long time, man. He has reinvented himself more times than I can count. And he's always worked. The guy, you know, the guy is a, a staple. You say Tracy Smothers to anybody in the wrestling business, they all go, oh, good guy. Right, everybody. Yeah. Everybody you ask will say, oh, great guy. And and that's why I'm, I'm pretty sad to hear what he's going through right now. Yeah, it's like that's, that's one of those things. It's just like these guys are, were invincible. Now, you know, what they're going through, now they're humans. And you're like, oh, fuck. Um, and you just hope. And I know it sounds so fucking lame and it pisses me off, but you really do sit and you kind of hope you know whatever you believe is a prayer you give to them because you want them to be better you want them to come out of this okay and go on their terms yeah you know like here's the, here's the thing and i don't know i'm not trying to be fucking rude about it but if, if tracy wanted to drive his fucking car off a cliff because that's how he wanted to go then good on him man. that's how he wanted to go yeah 
I don't, I don't ever want to see somebody suffer and, and just deteriorate and dwindle, yeah. you know? So, but anyway, I'm sorry for fucking bringing that down, but um, That's okay. when he, it was my fault. Um, when Tommy, when they got rid of Tommy, um, it was like, okay, I, I can take Tommy's place, you know? And again, on a, on a different level, I'm a, yeah. I can do what Tommy was doing. I can do a little bit different. Okay, great. Um, and then when Tracy, when they decided not to bring Tracy back, then it was kind of like, uh, uh, I wasn't sure how it was going to roll. All right. So, but I knew, you know, for the most part, Guido's going to be a singles and we'll do a couple tags, but Guido will do single and he'll do fine. He's, he, he'll, he'll give them a show. And he always did. He, his, his, his skills were, are amazing. So I had no question about that. My question, my, my nervousness came from the whole, um, are we going to do as well as? Yeah. Which we did. We wound up. Absolutely. We wound up doing okay. So that was, that was my, that was my concern. But you know, again, you're always your worst critic. And I'm still to this day. It's just one of those things where it's like, you always feel like, well, maybe we didn't do as good as I thought or, Maybe you could have did better if so. Well, I can confirm that you did do well, my friend. Um, <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, Jack, uh, you got some questions lined up next? What was a typical day like in an ACW locker room? Just to put it simple, uh, I've heard that okay. wild. So well, say. so yes and no. Um, Depends who it's coming from. Can, right. it, can it be embellished? Is there some times where it's just a regular day and everyone just works their matches and goes home or, you know, it, it, you know, so, it's the craziness going Okay, on. so here's, here's a, let, let's call it a dark, a dark day when we didn't have TV going on, we would just go to some show. Um, and this is from my point of view, my, this is exactly things that I did. Um, we'd go to the show, I'd show up, usually I'd travel with balls because we had the Jersey, the Jersey click who would drive in. It'd be me and Balls and like uh, Dawn Marie. We'd all fly in from Newark because we all lived in the same place. Yeah. Um, and then we would usually drive in. And if I didn't drive with Balls, I drove with like uh, Roadkill, Pat Kenny, uh, Dawn, Danny, and uh, you know sometimes Amy back when she was there. So we all, you know, those are the those were my friends. Those were the guys I was cool with. Um, so. For example, <clears throat> they have no TV. Paul's not there. Tommy's not there. Or if Tommy, <laughs> Tommy might. Yeah, yeah. So who's booking? It, well, right. We'd show up, and you know, it would be everybody else. Who else whoever's running, like you know, Bill Alfonso was there, and then um, you know, we had people in the back. Who were, there were other people to do the job. So Bubba was there. So you know, whatever. We'd show up, and normal day we'd get up get there and however whatever time we got there we got to the building um if i was with balls we'd have to go look around get the hotel first have to get the hotel first let's go get the hotel first and if i was with if we were with roadkill or something we would drive always he always drove he never flew he always drove the the roadkill van um and we would stop at walmart's to go check on all the because i don't know if you guys knew this in different states they offer you different toys so the WWE toys they sell in New Jersey and New York will be different from the ones they sell you in Atlanta and Maryland. So really? there would be times when, yo, yeah. So if you're a collector and roadkill is a collector, um, we would stop at different Walmarts 
and Kmart's to find the limited editions that only went to these states. So okay. we would do that. So yeah. So again, so if you look at it, that's really not that crazy. Like that's nothing insane, nothing wacky. Um, or me and Nova would start ribbing people and, you know, calling them in, inside the building and making them come to the front and do stupid shit just because we had nothing else to do. Hardly anything risque or crazy. Um, that shit usually came at night after the show. Right. Depending yeah. on where we were, depending on how over we were in the, in the area. Because if we were over, we could do whatever the fuck we wanted. We could have stole a car and shot a nun and it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> but like you go to some places where they don't know us from your fucking dog dick. Nothing's going to go on. People are going to leave, go to the next town because yeah. there's nothing for us there. Um, Clearwater, I'm on, on Jacksonville. Jacksonville was like that where we went to Jacksonville and we were told as we got there during the show and after the show, get in, do your bit, get dressed, leave because apparently the Jacksonville police had a hard on for us and wanted to just bust any of us. Shit. Um, and if I remember, I can't remember. There was a, I'm trying to, and again, I, my apologies for the poor memory. Um, Jack victory was one of the guys who was just like, we need to get the fuck out of here. And it was a scary thought. Like that was, that hung over our heads the entire time, you know, of like, let's get the fuck out of here. Cause who knew, who knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but then, like I said, there were definitely uh, weird sex, drugs and rock and roll moments, I guess. Um, but so like, I, I, I guess for examples. Indulge uh, us. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to think of like the time. So, okay. And this is just a personal thing. Um, at a, we were at a, at a hotel and it was, some kind of, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Missouri. We played at a, we played at a minor league hockey rink, uh, River Dogs or something. Anyway, regardless of that, um, we're at a hotel and I got a little intoxicated and my card wouldn't work in the door. So I kicked the door in <laughs> and it wasn't my room. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> yeah. So, um, the Asian couple that was in there were very nice and I apologized to them <laughs> over and over. And I said, I'm very sorry. I thought, um, and I don't know why I said this. I go, I thought I, I thought this is my room. My baby is in the room alone. I don't know. And they were like, Oh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we left the hotel that night. <laughs> we got out of the hotel that night, but again, it was just, it's just one of those situations of, yeah, I don't know. You're stupid. I'm stupid. We're all stupid. We've all done stupid, stupid things. <laughs> yeah, of course. Certainly so, human. Uh, yeah. Talking about yeah, sort the, of... Oh, sorry, continue? No, 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 no. I, oh. I was just going to say, it's just, yeah. Talking about doing stupid things, was there any uh, sort of crazy <laughs> moments with, uh, say, someone like Sandman or New Jack, for example? Um, I mean, I'm sure life is, life is one stupid moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, again... Like now I know New Jack's, you know, he's got his, he's got some fame back, you know, some popularity, huge push now with the, the vice thing. Yeah. Um, but that was the thing. He, that was him. That's what he did. And he knew, he knew he can get away with whatever the fuck he wanted to. Yeah. Because, you know, you act crazier than everyone else. 
and everybody freaks out. Um, yeah, so the, the, again, like, I don't know. I, I've never had, I'm trying to think of a, I had uh, my, my big altercation with New Jack was it's five o'clock in the morning and I want to go to sleep. <laughs> and me, me, him and Balls Mahoney and, and Jazz are driving around and I want to go to bed. I'm driving because I'm, I'm obviously the only sober one. So I'm driving and I want to go to sleep. So I had to tell him, fuck off. Let's go. I'm going back to the hotel. Like this, I'm done. And he, you know, he got loud and yelled at me. And then <laughs> he, like 10 seconds later, he ran over and he goes, oh, man, please, uh, I'm sorry. And he hugs me and he fucking like punched me and he laughed. And then we laughed about it. Okay, great. So like, that was my, that's been my biggest um, altercation of, of crazy with New Jack. And I, I got to see, I got to see him go wild and beat the shit out of people. I've got to see him <laughs> literally do enough, do enough drugs to kill an army. And, but that was him. He was, that's how he wanted to do his shit. And he did. And um, he always told me, he always said, he goes, I want to work with you. I want to work with you. I have a spot. I have a program we can do where we ain't got to do shit. <laughs> and he, would, he, he always told, he told me this all the time. He's like, we wouldn't do shit. You would hit me once. I would run around the ring selling it for 20 minutes. <laughs> and he goes, we would do that night after night. And he goes, I'll hit you with a garbage can. I won't even hit you with anything hard. He goes, I'll hit you with a garbage can. We'll call it a night. I'm like, yeah, we're fine. I'll do that. Let's do it. And yeah, it was just one of those things he would tell me every night. He would say it to me every fucking night. Um, but yeah, never had, I never had heat with him. Never had a problem with him. I, you know, it just, he did what he wanted to do. Fuck it. Uh, Sandman is, I'm, I can't understand how he's still alive. <laughs> I don't get it. I think I, I personally think he died in 2002 and this is, nobody's told him yet. Um, we were at the, we were at a legends convention in Philly and I saw this corpse on a table and I went, Oh my God, they're doing an autopsy. And it was the Sandman laying down. And I just, <laughs> and I asked him, I went over and I asked him for an autograph and he said, yeah, it's, it's 10 bucks. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, can I have it? Could you make it out to um, the Sandman sucks? <laughs> ah, he looks up and he said, yo. <laughs> All right, cool, man. You got it. It only took you 20 minutes to realize it's me, you moron. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, again, I'm not, uh, I don't, I guess you could tell I'm not, not a big, I've never really used any drugs. I've never done any of that. And I never understood the guys who were so over who were risking a lot doing that shit. Never, never understood it. Just never did to me. Never caught on to me. Never once came to me. Um, and then when I hear people say how, oh, it's a tragedy. No, it's not. It was an avoidable tragedy. If you're going to drive with your eyes closed and you kill a family of six, that is an avoidable fucking tragedy. So I, I really, there are people that I do feel for um, when they get hooked up in drugs uh, guys like Scott Hall, guys like, you know, uh, like PJ, like uh, uh, Justin and, you know, guys like that. I just, I feel bad for them because they had it all, yeah. but it was avoidable and I'm not going to cry over you and I'm not going to fake say, you know, oh man, because there are people who loved you and wanted to help you anyway. They want, they wanted to be there for you and you fucked it. So I don't have a lot of sympathy for guys who have thrown away careers on drugs. 
that being said, I've seen a lot of people use them. I've seen a lot of people do them, and it's kind of like, all right, well, hopefully yeah. you'll smarten up. Hopefully <laughs> you'll, you'll stop. Yeah. On the 16th of April, 2000, ECW Hardcore TV in St. Charles, Missouri, you and uh, you and uh, sorry, Guido take on Doring and Roadkill. Um, and mm-hmm. you wrestle them quite a lot with house shows that followed. Our um, favorite. Had a good time with Doring and Roadkill. I mean, it looked like uh, they were fun to work with. I love those guys to death. I'm still uh, like those guys are my those, those I love. Every time, that is my favorite match. Um, any match with Danny and Roadkill was amazing. Like, hands down, it was always great. Um, we always had fun. We always, you know, just uh, because we're friends. Like, I, I'm still friends with Danny and Roadkill. We talk, I talk to those guys daily. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I don't know. There's, there are certain people you just click with. Yeah. Um, the first person I met at ECW was Meanie and Nova. Um, and that was in New Orleans. They were the first guys and Mikey Whipwreck. Those were the first three guys in the locker room who talked to me. And again, it was Meanie and Nova. I'm still good friends with, um, always clicked with them. Uh, and Mikey never had an issue with Mikey. Mikey's always been awesome. So there are certain people you just click with and then there are people that you can just on a cold, like just boom like that. And Danny and Roadkill are two of those guys who you could like right now, if they were to show up and then people were to go, okay, you have to do a match right now. Go. We could, because we could just flow with the, you know, with each other, which just took care of each other. Nobody, well, <clears throat> aside from Guido's stiff boots, <laughs> Guido's been known to throw some, uh, some heavy footed boots in <laughs> um, Danny will, Danny will constantly attest to that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, <laughs> but me and, and the thing with me and roadkill, me and roadkill love playing off each other. Roadkill love jumping and yeah. I could catch him. You know, I was able to, I was able to crash pad him. So he loved, he loved getting, doing that stuff. And I loved doing it because it always looked amazing. You know, it always looked really great. He was great. So, he was yeah. great. Yep. Um, uh, also, around this time, Tony Mamaluke joins the FBI. Uh, yeah, fresh I off love, his I love stint in WCW, which he wasn't in WCW very long for what he was doing there. Um, and then all of a sudden, he's in ECW. Um, how do you feel he fit into the group? And was that a fun trio to have as the you know 2000 FBI? So, the first time that he came. <clears throat> They really gave us no warning and didn't know he was going to actually stick around. Didn't know he was going to be there. Um, and we're just, they threw him with us. And I was, I was a little like, the fuck is this? You know, I was kind of, kind of a little like, what? You know, we just got our thing going. Like, because when know. I think about it, cause I've seen his whole WCW run, he didn't even wrestle on TV. So all of a sudden, right. I had no idea who he was. And when he came to that show and they put us together and he cost us the match and then I throw him into the crowd. Okay. So like, I, I honestly didn't give it another thought. Like I didn't, I'm like, eh, whoever this kid is, fuck him. I don't, you know, I took care of him. I didn't hurt him. 
But like, yeah. you know, I knew we had to do what we had to do. And now, okay, great. I never th- didn't give it a second thought. He became one of the most invaluable people I've ever worked with. Um, he is amazing. He was nothing but heart. Like that kid, oh, man, he's still to this day. He, I, we just did a, well, we just did a show just last year, I think it was, and up in Rome, New York. Yeah. And he couldn't walk. He, he's so broken. Really? And he's, now he's gotten, he's gotten better, but he, he doesn't give up. This dude, with his, as fucked up as he was, he took a train, because he lives in the city, you know, he doesn't, he took a train to get to Rome, New York. We picked him up, you know, they picked him up at the, st- at the station, got him to the show, he was going to do a show. He couldn't stand up straight, and he was willing to do a show. Shit, Jesus! Uh, in, an indie show of all things, and I'm not I'm not shitting on indie shows. I'm just saying he for because he was back with me and Guido. We we're gonna do a, we were doing a bit, so he wanted to do it. So this all came about, and, and and he never like this would be the dude who you'd have to kill to get him to stay down. Yeah, you'd literally have to put a bullet through his head because he would just keep getting up. And I admire the fuck out of him. He is. Also, I get random texts from like about wacky shit, which is hysterical. But <laughs> he is honestly—he was just one of the most invaluable people in that group in that time. He needed and he was talented he, as fuck. It, it, he was it talented as fuck. Did oh, it, yeah. it helped the FBI in two thousand then to absolutely. Um, speaking of two thousand, I want to talk about your ECW pay per view in ring debut, uh, as you mentioned earlier, against Balls Mahoney. In Los Angeles, uh, Heat mm-hmm. Wave. Um, yeah. You pick up the win in that match. You, you must have been pretty stoked to get on pay per view. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was a um, <clears throat> that pay per view was amazing. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask obviously the uh, incident that uh, took place <laughs> that day and if what you saw and heard of it um, with XPW. Let's see. I don't. Uh, I don't know if I know everybody's friends now. I know everybody, everybody at ECW has worked for fucking Rob Black and everybody else, XPW. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I, um, but, <clears throat> excuse me, that night, that day, we were so everybody on high alert because we were told right. um, XPW is going to show up and fuck with the show. Oh my God. No. What I think. This was. <laughs> yeah, this was our first time in LA. My first time in LA too. I was just this was amazing. This was gonna be a big deal. Um and we we get to the we get to the show and we had got warned before the show, which was you know, an odd thing. Usually people will wait till you get to the building just out of convenience. But we were getting warnings before the show that XPW is gonna come and fuck with the show. All right. So balls is already worked. He's already worked up. Oh, he's getting all. <laughs> yeah, he's he's already getting wound up. So now I'm talking him because now we're driving up and down. What was it? Uh, Hollywood Boulevard. Because we were being marks. We we're taking pictures of shit. Me and balls drove into Compton <laughs> to get to get pictures with uh, Figueroa, the sign of Figueroa sign, and like just to see where the swap meets were and, and where Boys in the Hood were shot. 
And so we were tomped and driving around. And of course, he topped down. Fucking ridiculous. Two <laughs> idiot white guys in Compton driving around. Um, getting out, taking fucking pictures of street signs. Um, so we, we, you know, we, he was already worked up and that I was a little concerned now. I'm like, all right. Yeah. So I'm getting a little worked up too. Um, and then I think we started to feed off each other a little bit, getting a little bit more worked up. So we got to the, we got to the (laughs) venue and it was, everybody was, was kind of like on edge. You know, we all looked around, we all looked around and we don't see anybody. We don't see anybody. Paul comes in the back. And uh, he starts his and, – and let me, let me say this again, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Jim Jones Heyman. <laughs> <laughs> he gave us – you know, again, he – have you guys ever seen that, the, that the movie? The Man? Yeah. The, the big speech. And he gives the speech. Yeah. Right. So now imagine that. Right. Now imagine that. But the end goal of this speech is to go kill people. <laughs> um, and that was, that, was his, that was his deal. He uh, gave us a speech and told us, somebody's here to take what's ours. Somebody's here to uh, ruin what we've built. Somebody's here to make us look like fools. And he went through this whole big thing. And we're all like, yeah, yeah. And then he fucking, he did his gimmick and he turned his fucking hat around. And he said, let's go stop him. And we went, oh, shit. So we're ready, right? Now everybody, everyone is like, and he's waiting. Everybody is vibrating. Um, one of the show, you know, shows going on, match goes on. Um, nothing really happened. There was a couple now and then, something going on. Just, man, 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 no big deal. Um, and then during the just incredible Tommy Dreamer match, allegedly one of the guys reached over, pinched Franny's ass. And you can see on the pay-per-view that the camera goes, oh, like straight off, because like, everybody piled out of the locker room. Everybody piled out of the locker room and was coming down the aisle at the pay-per-view because we were just waiting. You're live on pay-per-view. Jeez. Yeah. And the camera went down and then Joey, Joey Styles, uh, seems to be a rowdy drunk fan in the audience. <laughs> and you never saw, if you were watching at home, you never saw anything. You didn't see anything. You saw a little, a little ruckus so that you saw the curtain fly open because a bunch of the boys ran out. Um, so as Dreamer told us, he said, you know, he was in the ring. And he said, go, go back. We all went back. As we all went back, Paul was waiting on the other side of the curtain and he goes come on and we all followed him out the front oh shit oh, yeah shit. here we and go there we were there they were they were standing across the street um and i think this might have been a part of the part of the funny of it um so the security guards shut the doors and kept the fans inside which was pretty funny um we we came down the steps and they were across the street and their limo was there and they had a couple cars there and they were standing across the street. Like we're not on your property. Ha ha ha. <laughs> That's not going to stop you. <laughs> yeah. We ran across the street, and beat the shit out of them. Um, <laughs> like it, there was just like, I think they were kind of like, wait, you're not supposed to do that. And 
we had just crossed the street. And, and according to Rob Black, we beat up their ring crew. Right. Just their ring crew and a, and a couple girls. So I guess so. Um, but a lot of their ring crew looked like some of their main staple. But I don't know. Who am I? Um, Why would their uh, ring crew be there? Wouldn't they just buy the tickets for the Messiah and all those types of guys that were apparently But I guess there? the ring crew – well, but the ring crew had the limo, I guess. I don't know. Um, all I know <laughs> is the guys who were out in front were the guys who I would consider the heart of ECW. Yeah. Um, and, um, <laughs> it, it, it got crazy. It was awesome. Like I, I enjoyed it. I had, it was, a got to let loose, man. There was no holding back on people and just hitting them. And guys like Mama Luke, he was right next to me. I watched him. I was, I was with him and guys like Jack Victory was out there and they were leveling people, man. Jack, Jack Victory was hockey punching people. It was great. But you know, um, people roadkill right out there with me, and we were we were all doing it, and it was great. And I turned around. I remember seeing this. I turned around and I saw New Jack. Mm. Oh no, they're fucked now. New New Jack was on crutches. <laughs> oh, thank that's. Oh. He he had a broken foot, and he was on crutches, and he was going, "Come on, motherfucker!" And he was screaming at people. <laughs> and he was he had he dropped the one crutch, and he was waiting. He was going to hit people with the, his fucking crutches. And it was a situation, but we all went back inside. Oh, the, oh, that, the cops showed up. Um, um, and again, I will always, to the end of time, give props to referee Mike Keener, uh, possibly for keeping me out of jail, and Devon. Because I was, it was, it, was a, it was the moment. You get caught up in the yeah. moment. You guys ever get in a fight, and you just start you fucking hitting everybody. You didn't yeah. give a fuck. And I turn around, and there was a cop. I see a cop and he looks at me and he fucking dropped it. He pulled his stick out. He did his little zip stick and I went, oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, shit. Devon and, and Mike Keener got in front of me. They were like, hey, hey. And I was like, yeah, I'm here. What happened? And, uh, I realized I was like, oh, and I said, sorry, sorry. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> we all went inside. Um, we went inside and, and Paul pay, just, pay sat there with still a big going, smile. right? Yo, pay per view's still going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, we, we weren't out there long. And we Paul's were not smiling. out there long. He's smiling and he said, and he, he was so happy. And he, and I, to this day, there's been people who's told me that he set that up. Him and Rob Black set that up. Bullshit. And I'm like, even if they did, those guys got fucking beaten for yeah. no fucking reason. 100%. You know? Um, and I'm talking, some guys got hit hard, man. There was, there was some, some hurt going on and. If you will, if you if you did that, and you got set up for it. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, um, I mean, I'm 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 am not a big fan of people pulling out their phones for shit these days. As soon as something's happening, so they oh, can I sue someone. But in this instance, I wish someone had a phone <laughs> that could record, so I could we could all see what actually happened that day in in you know yeah. the streets of fucking Los Angeles. So then I'm trying to remember after that. Then it was uh, Rob Black came out on a some sort of a wrestling sheet um, and he called me out said I was a pussy I was like all right then I saw him in the airport and he ran for me so good for him um but that's you know a big pussy and whatever and I beat up his ring crew uh but aside from that it was you know those were the guys who that's what we did we did that because we 
basically we were we were duped into doing it. <laughs> we were we were we were led down that road because there was no end, other ending except that. That um, day there was no other ending. Before this all happened, what was the general consensus of Rob Black and XPW? Um, I had worked with him actually, uh, Lizzie Lizzie Borden. I when I first came to ECW, I worked with her and I worked with Rob Black. We were in the we were in a group together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had no heat with him. Um, I also enjoy, again I enjoyed. I, I loved filmmaking, even even adult films. I enjoy the writing and everything of it. I, I enjoy the the whole process. So I had no issue. I had no problem with him. Um, I just didn't, you know, I was like, okay, cool. But then when this all came about, at first I was like, oh, well, it's a rival. So what? Who cares? You know, they're, uh, they're XPW. They're on the other side of the country. Right. And not only that, but they're doing what we did. So good for them. Yeah. But then it became a, it became a rivalry where now it became, they kept talking shit and it became a shit talk thing. And I was like, okay. And again, you know what? I don't have time to. I don't have time to debate you. I'll just punch you in the face. Yeah. That's how I felt. I don't. I don't. You know. I'm, I don't want to sit down and have a discussion with you. I'd just rather break your nose and call it a day. <laughs> so I, I was okay with it. Um, do you that? have any memories of uh, ECW's issues with TNN? <laughs> like, honestly, uh, there is. We got invited to a couple of dinner luncheons or something, where we had to go meet people, and you know. Again, I, I feel like this was a might have been a setup for failure because, like you know, you invited the Dawn Marie's and the Lance Storms and the respectable people, and then you invited like me and Balls and like Jack O V and stuff. Like <laughs> this, this wasn't our thing. Like, <laughs> but you, you want to <laughs> introduce them to the company. You know, you want them to see all of it. Because I'm sure there's a, there's a bit of a freak factor that you have to involve in this. You know, okay, hey, look what we're bringing you. We're bringing you a fucking caveman and some fucking giant mutant. You know, it's like, oh, forget the fact that he's eating out of the garbage. That's fine. Um, I, I, I would just automatically go back to, we went to a, um, in New York City, it, um, Roseland, what's the ball, Roseland Ballroom? We were invited to a show. No, it was, it was Rosaline Ballroom, I think. Okay. Um, so, I, yeah, we went to a Limp Bizkit show. Mm. And Fuck yeah. Hill opened for them. And we were downstairs, yeah. and we were in the back, and we're talking with B-Real. <laughs> and they just threw the catering out. They threw all the catering into the garbage. That was sitting right on top of the garbage. And Balls went, oh, they fucking got rid of the garbage. What catering? He fucking said, eight. <laughs> yeah, it does a garbage. Macaroni salad of the guards at B Real is going. <laughs> He's just staring at him and I go, How fucked up is it that this guy's probably high off his ass and he's watching this caveman eat out of a garbage can? <laughs> As if the people who threw that shit out were the wrong ones. They were wrong for throwing it out before he got to it. So yeah, that's uh that's I always think of that. I always laugh at B Real's face just <laughs> he was just so confused about what's happening. Is this is this real? Um, but yeah, the we went to the, a couple of TNN like dinner things or lunch things, meet and greets, and say hi to executives. 
it's boring. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't know what to expect. I don't I know what they expected. But we went there and we shook hands and took dumb pictures with them and their stupid kids. And I'm like, they do realize this is probably not for kids. Like, they want to get pictures with Sandman. They're going to let their fucking 11-year-old son stand with the Sandman. I'm like, really? Your kid's probably fucking contact high off of standing next to him. <laughs> like, you realize, like, this isn't the show for an 11-year-old. It's what they want. They, uh, they, and, then they they, just, and then they just fucked everything up anyway. Well, that they were they using ECW as a uh, just to test the waters for wrestling before trying mm-hmm. to get you know the WWF on. on yeah, TV. we were a placeholder. We were That's a placeholder. Just such bullshit. They never even gave it a chance. Well, it's just uh, you know what it is. It's 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 the girl who's saving herself for marriage, so she's not going to sleep with you because we're not going to get married. So. You're the placeholder, so right. that's that's how that's that's how that is, and that's all we were. We were the girl. We were we were never going to get their virginity, so we were just a placeholder. Well said, <laughs> Jack. What have you got? Uh, during the mid two thousands, uh, could you tell Paul Heyman was getting slowly burnt out, and that the end for W uh, for ECW would be nearing? Nope. Not even a nope. Because here's here's the thing. He is he's the devil, but he is a brilliant businessman yep um and i've i've made this joke before and we all we all have made this joke because he's made us all the same promise he told us on on phone calls like if i call you jack and you don't know me worth shit but if i called you and i said listen jack no matter what happens in your career no matter what you do i will always work with you 100 percent I will make sure you are by my side or I am by your side to help you out in any way you need, Jack. You'd be like, fuck, man, thank you. And then to be like completely blindsided and be, and be left somewhere with nothing. And you're just like, well, well no, no. I, he, he promised me. He told me. Yeah. So if I need something, I can call him. And, you know, it's one of those things where I've never had to call Paul and be like, uh, Paul, do you think you can help me? Like, I've never had to do that, thankfully. But it was a situation of I, I watched things come and go, and then I'm like, that's just not, you know, that's a direct opposite of what he said he was going to do. Yep. Right. So you never, he never showed his hand. There was never, oh, well, Paul looks tired. Yeah, Paul looks tired because Paul would stay up until six in the morning editing shows or doing whatever and then come in and do this and that and the other thing. And, you know, he was no saint. He did his deal. He stayed up late, whether working on the show or not. That's all. That's all. I'll leave that one. But, uh, so like if, if he looked a little ragged around the edges, you were like, all right, part of the lifestyle, I guess. Yeah. Just sort of pole being pole. And, um, and then, then to find out later on, that there was this, uh, this collusion with Vince and Paul and everybody knew, you know, there was that thing. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that one. Vince, uh, Vince, Vince and Paul like had a, a, they had a deal yeah, going was, on. Yeah. Mm-hmm, he was, I found out about that in Paul's documentary that came out. Uh, yeah. that was the first time I ever heard of it. And I was like, Oh my God, I have no yeah, idea. That's, we all, we all knew that, but we know nobody had proof. So it was little more than a conspiracy theory for a lot of us um, that can never get proven. 
because we did, you know, we had no way to, to investigate further and nobody wanted to really, because who wants to find out you've been lied to this whole time? Yeah. You know, here we were being told with no money, we're struggling. But meanwhile, there was a lot of money being funneled in. Fuck. You know, there's there yeah, a lot of money in, being in, spent. Apparently Shane McMahon was hoping to take over ECW one stage. Mm-hmm. But again, this is, it's one of those things where you're like, I don't want to believe it. So I don't want to research it. I don't want to look any deeper. I don't want to dig. I don't want to, I don't want to poke that bear. I just want to, you know what? It's, what we had was good. And let's leave it at that. You know, yeah. it was a kick in the balls. It was 2001 or two. And when, you know, we got the, Hey, we're going to take a hiatus. That doesn't sound right. You know, like that definitely doesn't sound right. And we'll, we'll get to that, Sal. We'll okay, sorry, that. man. That's okay. <laughs> got to keep go keep with the timeline of what we're going on with here. Uh, Please, yeah. Uh, Jack, sort of, uh, next question, my friend. Sort of winding it back a little bit, just sort of to the uh, yeah. having the money funneled in. So obviously, um, there was some bit of bit of a sneaky uh, suspicions going around the locker room from uh, some stories I've heard, read, other interviews, things like that. There, a lot of guys were owed money from Paul. Some that mm-hmm. were paid, some never paid. We ever sort of one mm-hmm. of those guys that had any um, yep. issues. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and it was always, it was always one of the, uh, Hey, you know what? He'll get to it. And that would make you know, sense as to why you don't want to really research into more of it and look into more of it. Cause now if you, if now I, if I have to find out that I'm never going to get that money, mm. you know, I'm never going to get that, that, uh, that handout again, that help handout, yeah. whatever you call it. You know, I worked for it. So, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, shit, you, uh, the higher ups had had a lot more they were more involved than we were and i you know i was never higher up <clears throat> but i it's definitely we we all had our inklings and and those guys would tell us you know guys would say hey look you know this doesn't seem right yeah of course um, so did you sort of uh, have any uh post wrestling plans in place if like sort of ACW was to go under in the near future yeah absolutely um uh, a lot of like just go back to doing uh you know movies maybe do some writing for him and you know things like that and uh and i did i did it for a few and then wound up having surgery on my back the first time i had spinal surgery um got hardware put in and that was the first of three so you know had had that done but at that point it was a situation of uh my wrestling you know, what am I going to do? Um, I wound up traveling to Louisville yep. um, for no other reason than change of scenery. And I knew a few people out there and then wound up going, uh, hanging out at over, over at OVW. And I loved their productions, you know, what they were doing there. And again, they were the you know, farm league at the time. They were the unofficial farm league for WWE. Yep. Oh, not to say unofficial, but. <clears throat> but um, I loved seeing that level of production. Like I liked that. To me, that that reminded me of the '80s again. Yeah. Around, you know, it was. Yeah. That's it. No, sorry. Go on. No, I'm just saying. Like that was what they were doing. They were doing the small arena. You know, the NWA style. So like what, you uh, had, what NWA power today is right. What they went back stuff. to exactly yeah. studio wrestling. And that's what this was. Um, 
and the the people that were there were the regulars, locals, that yeah. they come to the show every week, and you know, it became a thing. So Wednesday nights, that's you know, we do the tapings and everything, and then we do the vignettes and everything. I watched that, and like it was just great. It was great. It was great again. And I, I said, this is amazing, what they had going on. Around that time, did you have any contact from uh, the WWE? So- oh yeah, well I was I was. Uh, became friends with uh i had been friends with al snow for a while yeah um and i was you know i lived right by them so and then again got to see people i haven't seen in a while and like uh nova would come down for the trainings and uh punk would come down stuff like that and i'd see these guys and okay and um i had some contact in and out and but i didn't want to go back to wrestling I didn't want to. I didn't want to wrestle again. I kind of wanted to do more, maybe the writing, maybe the TV part of it. Yep. Um, that was my kind of driving goal, and I wound up in Louisville going, just doing other like uh, independent film stuff because I was that was really an interest to me. Horror, uh, doing horror and stuff like that. Um, so I kind of, I kind of was over wrestling, but at the same time. OVW reinvigorated my love of 80s wrestling. And then following up that DCW, which was Derby City Wrestling, which was another uh, another offshoot they had of OVW. That was just, they would do it at the racetracks and stuff. And they would do house shows. And it was all to get these guys better. Yep. So, I don't know. Like, I, I, I did like that. But like I said, I, I kind of just didn't have any desire to go back into the ring as much as I thought I might've, because that was one of the things I said, Oh, maybe I'll do that. And I just wasn't interested as much. Sort of uh, winding back the clock to uh, back in your time at ACW. Do you ever feel the FBI got there doing ACW? Um, did Guido deserve to win a TV, TV title? Or yes. You guys yes. win the tag Absolutely. title? Uh, we did win the tag title. Um, which was cool, but I, I really feel like Guido should have got a bigger push. And he was always putting on the people over. He was always like that guy Constantly. that was there, like if someone was on their way up to another spot. I I too feel like you know Guido deserved to you know be spotlighted at least for you know four or five. Yeah, months he was. One stage. Uh, what what do they call it? Not, supp- not supplemental. Um, enhancement talent. They don't call them jobbers anymore. Now they're <laughs> called enhancement talent. Um, but I always felt like he should have gotten a bigger push. The thing is, Guido Guido needed a mouthpiece. Yep. I got to be that mouthpiece. Um, and, you know, when they let me talk, that was always a rib. That was always like some fun shit, like me and Dreamer. I'd come up and go, listen, I got a huge promo. And you go, no. <laughs> but he would always listen to me. He would always listen to me and they'd say, no. Um, and the thing was, they were busy getting other guys over. They were busy, you know, spending the 20 minutes on, uh, on an RVD promo. Yeah. Or, and I, again, not, not bitter shit at them. They did their job, man. They were, they were good at what they did. Our show, if you watch our show, it's like, it's very compact. 
you know, that we had our, you know, you had this promo, you had a match, you had that. There was no room for extra. Yeah. So um, that was the thing. Like there was zero room for extra. And if you just, you know, that was it. I, and I, I, I always felt, and I said, I had actually had a, I had a talk with uh, Paul at one point about Guido. And I said, you know, I feel like he, I don't want to hold him back either. You know, so, but at that point now we had gotten Tony and now there was a tag team. So it was a situation of now I actually like Tony, so I don't want to screw this up either. Yeah. So now it's like, how do you say, well, this guy needs a push or this guy should do more. We should, let's, how about this for an idea? How about that? And I don't want to screw up what we have going on and where they go, oh, well, you're not happy with what you're doing. Well, fuck you then. Yeah. Because that's everybody's fear. Everybody's fear is to lose their spot. That's why people say it's kind of hard to make friends in this business because everybody's always afraid of losing their spot. Some new kid shows up and if he looks better than you or looks, you know, has a better gimmick or does something different, you're always kind of like, well, whose spots are you going to take? Everybody has, you know, everybody's heat with the new kid. Yeah, I, I, to me, there was just a point of, you know, you want to keep your head down. You want to, you want to try to do better. You want to try to impress them. You want to make, you want to make everybody happy. And that, especially Guido. Guido wanted to make everybody happy. He still does. He always wants, he always wants to make sure he's, is that okay? Was that all right? You okay with that? You guys good? So. <laughs> um, Sounds like such a good gosh. He is. He really is. And he, like I said, he's a little manic. But it's it's pretty good. <laughs> um, I'll jump in here. Um, yeah, the eleventh of August, two thousand, ECW on TNN features yourself, Tony, and Guido in a six-man against Michael Whitbreck, Psychosis, and Tajiri. Um, <laughs> hell of a match here. Um, from what I'm, my research tells me, this is the. First time that there's an actual six-man tag with with the three mm-hmm. of you on, on television. Um, is this a fond memory for you? I mean, geez, I mean, what, what, I'll be what, honest. What great I, opponents? Whipwreck, Psychosis, and Tajiri. That's. I don't. I couldn't tell you specifically what happened in that match, because I worked with Mikey and Tajiri and Super Crazy so much that it's all one long match. One big blur. One big match. Um, I just thought it was, it was worth mentioning because it was a, it was a six man and uh, that hadn't happened very often with the, the three of you. With us, yeah. Um, uh, at least on television. Said, well, that was the thing. Like, we, we, we did that a few times. We've done that a few times. Um, but, yeah, the, uh, I'm, trying to rem- I'm, I'm, I'm literally trying to remember the match so I can give you some kind of a, was there a cool story? Um, and, but again, I don't remember if this was the same one we used to do, again, we used to fuck around so much, uh, Tajiri did a dive and it might've been, it might've been the six man. Cause we had that many people, it might've been a dive on a dive sort of thing. Like first, right. you know, psychosis, then Tajiri. But at one point we're all in a big crash pad on the floor and I'm on the bottom, of course. <laughs> and Tajiri I always had this thing and he, I would always tell him, I used to say, make a joke that Tajiri would speak perfect English when he was around other people. He would speak perfect English. But then when he'd get around us, he'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, so we, you know, we, we always, I always goofed around. He was a super, super cool guy too. I loved him. Um, so we're on the big, we're on the floor. 
and I had, his ass was in my face. And I just remembered Iron Mike Sharp in the locker room at one point and Howard Finkel jamming his thumb up Iron Mike Sharp's ass. <laughs> and at that point, I, uh, I got um, Tajiri. Just, I just jammed my finger up Tajiri's ass and he screamed. <laughs> and I was on pay-per-view and you could, you could actually just hear the ee because he, he did it. And, he, I, and I asked him, I said, why would you scream like that? He goes, <sighs> <laughs> I, was, I just never understood it <laughs> but yeah so any chance i got i would flick his nutsack or i'd fucking jam my thumb up his ass and he would just scream and he would just go Yee! for no reason and I, I don't know why he kept making that noise um and then like to me like those doing that or telling super crazy super crazy would go to jump and i would turn like i wasn't gonna catch him and he would get nervous and hold up. And I'm like, just like, <laughs> would, and I remember these things because the camera was never on me. The camera was yeah. always on super crazy. So I would be like, and look away or something. And he would be like, <laughs> so I remember, yeah, I remember a little shit like that. And, but if like you were to tell me, um, or Mikey would say something to me that would make me fucking laugh. I'd pop and I'd have to put my head down or I would have to turn away or something. And it was always, it, those are the things I remember. And I, like people would say, oh, well, what was your favorite thing? I, I don't have a favorite part because I worked with these guys so much. There was always something that made me laugh or made me smile. And that's the stuff that I remember. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, un- unfortunately, I, wish, I, I apologize for not being able oh, to. Oh, that's to, okay. You know, being like, oh, this match was great. But I feel like it was every night. So they were great. They were all great at, at separate points. Because um, it was basically the same match. <laughs> Um, the 11th of November 2000 this is a match that I just watched last night uh, an ECW house show in Poughkeepsie uh, and you wrestled Scott Hall yeah Um, I remember that yeah I want to know your memories of that day and getting to work with Scott Hall and you know the fact that you 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 went over and so it's it's, it's on YouTube we showed up um, showed up to Poughkeepsie Love Poughkeepsie. So Poughkeepsie was always a great time. Um, we would go to, unfortunately, I can't remember the name of this guy's store. Guy had a game store, and we would go to the game store and we'd hang out there and you know play with his fucking toys and video games. And uh, it was just one of those situations where it had a great time. Got to the building. Now Poughkeepsie, um, believe it or not, was where I had my dark match. It wasn't mine. I was there with uh, Larry Briscoe. Not that Larry Briscoe, the one from Johnny Rods' school. Um, Larry Briscoe had his tryout for WWE, and I went with him. Um, Johnny sent us, and I had it in Poughkeepsie in 1990. I was say 1991. Might have been like my three months into the business. So um, yeah. it was just one of those things where, you know, Poughkeepsie was always. I always enjoyed it. I always liked it. And we get to the building and we're you know, just going through our normal shit, getting dressed, getting ready. And Dreamer comes up and goes, I don't know why, but Scott Hall wants to work with you. <laughs> so it's like, all right. I'm like, yeah, that's fucking does he? cool, man. I, don't well, I blew shit. it off. That's fucking cool. I was like, meh, blew it off. So then I see Scott Hall and I'm like, hey, man. Like, hey, nice to meet you again. So I met him once before. And he's like, hey, man, how you doing, brother? Uh, great, great, cool. Nice to meet you. He says, brother, I got an idea. I want to work with you. I said, sure, you know, whatever you want to do. 
And, uh, you know, again, you're the, you're the vet. You, you tell me what you want to do because, you know, I'm down for whatever you got. So and I'm waiting to hear, you know, going to do this, going to do this. And I kept thinking, I'm going, how am I going to get up for a razor's edge? <laughs> and I'm like, is he going to do it from the top rope? I'm like, fuck. You know, I never took that kind of bump, but all right, I'll do it. And he says, so this is what we'll do, brother. We'll go and then you go over. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And I was, have you been drinking? Well, he has, but okay. Um, and I was like, shit, are you serious? And he said, yeah, man, yeah, let's, let's do this. I think it'll be great. And I was like, thank you. And I just shook his hand. I said, all right. And he was so super cool. He was so chill with me. Um, had a great time, you know, in the, in the back, we're getting ready. All right, brother, you got this to be easy. We'll make it nice and easy. We'll go out, be sweet. It'll be good. No, 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 no. And I have to admit like, this was a moment. There's two, two points in Poughkeepsie. One was my dance off with Bubba, which I, I, it's a, it's so funny, but that, and then I wrestled, you know, worked with Scott Hall. And when I, when I went over, the crowd was split. Half the crowd hated it, but I was surprised at how many liked it. And that was for me. I was just like, wow, that's something. Like, wow. Yeah. I remember when I first um, watched it, I was like, oh, Scott's surely winning this because he's going to wrestle Justin later on. Right. And, and he was, you know, like, oh, he was still part of the, he was part of the NWO. It was all the whole thing. So I was like, outsiders man there's no way there's no way i'm going over in scott hall i didn't mean i didn't even consider it mm. um but there was i was just i couldn't believe the the fans that were for it and they, they liked it so i was like hey man that's cool and that, to me like that was just all right cool yeah and the same thing and then uh, i got to do with bubba I did the dance all with bubba and people pop for it and you know i was just like all right maybe maybe they don't hate me as much as i think they do so it was it was kind of cool it would have been cool to actually see what would have happened with Scott Hall if he ended up signing with the company. I guess they just didn't pan out. No, um, no. Uh, during this time, the ECW's deal with TNN is over. What was the locker room reaction to no longer being on that network and now just um, doing hardcore TV again? Partial relief. Because, no, we didn't have to worry about anything. We could do whatever the fuck we wanted. But also, there was kind of a little bit of a, well, what the hell does that mean for us? We were, we were supposed to be something big. Now, now that's gone away. So now, what? Are we not getting raises? Are we not getting bonuses? Are we not getting coverage? So it was a little bit of you know, trepidation from everybody. And, um, but at the same time, it was kind of like, good, fuck them. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I want to fast forward a little bit to January 13th, 2001, ECW's house show in Pine, uh, sorry, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Um, <laughs> it's Danny Doring and Tommy Dreamer against the FBI. It's the last ECW show of the authentic real ECW. To just start me from the beginning of your day to the end of your day. Did you know that it was the last show at the beginning of the day? No. Nope. And and how, no, when, we did not. When, when um, did you find out that it would be the last show? Technically, a few weeks later, of you know, we're taking a hiatus. Um, kind of like, huh? That's hiatus, that doesn't sound right. 
Nah. You know, especially even even you know Christmas and New Year's and shit, we still worked. So now we're taking a hiatus. That especially with seem... ACW being pretty hot in the, the yes. places that you yeah. still worked in, like why would you have to take a? We could still hiatus. yeah, we could still draw. And then now all of a sudden we're taking a hiatus. So it's like, huh. But uh, it was a situation where we all had faith. We thought something. We expected all of us to think the worst. And Paul was going to pull something out of his ass. Right. And all of a sudden, things were going to just be different. All of a sudden, something was going to come that we were like, oh, cool. This happened. He's just ribbing us. He's, he's really he's dragging it out. He's making us, you know, fucking want what's going to happen. Because would, it wouldn't be above him to do it. To be like, oh, guys, we're going to have to uh, cut, cut the budget. And you're like, oh, shit. And then all of a sudden, we get a pay-per-view bonus. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. So again, I like I said, I wasn't a higher up, so I didn't. Maybe people knew before I did. I found out probably a week or two later when we got the calls of we're going to take a break, and we're not scheduling any any house shows. And it's like, wait, what? So how are we making money? Yeah. <laughs> you know how we how what's going on? So yeah, that was uh, it was bittersweet. You know, looking back, it's like shit, but. If anything, it, it makes you go into that whole, you know, live every day like it's your last sort of thing. Yeah. Because definitely. who knows? Who knows what tomorrow is? So, so at that show, there was um, like a beer bash in the ring at the end. Was there, a, you really did not know that it was over? <laughs> Again, I think this is might might have been one of those things where you're like, I don't want to believe it. Yeah. Or okay. No, this is you know, again, maybe this is something leading to something else. Right, okay. So it's sort of treated as like business as usual. Right. Um, yeah. Right. This is just okay. this is just something different we're doing today. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh Jack, what have you got? So obviously there would have been so much uncertainty around that time. And WCW was also not far off closing. Uh, I believe you would have answered this also before, but what did you do with yourself next? Um Pretty much as soon as ECW was closing the doors, WCW was no longer available. So there's only one place to go. Yeah, tell us when you found out it was actually done. Oh, when we found out it was done, it was just like, wow, you know, kind of a kick in the dick. But um, it wasn't long after that I did, I had actually was filming a, a movie uh, called Martin and Orloff in Chelsea, in New York. So I was filming that with, you know, and uh, so I guess it was just one of those situations of I was doing something else and I said, okay, you know, when it comes back, it comes back. So it was kind of like just going back to what I was doing in the indie days. Yeah. You know, it was a situation of I'll work until I need to go do something else and then I'll go do a show. And then if I need to do something else, I'll do something else. Yeah. You know, and that was, and at that point I, I had, couple connections where I, I was getting acting gigs and I was doing, you know, I was able to do some writing stuff for people. Um, and I guess, so I was just, I was, I was, in, I was enjoying that for a little bit. And I was really, it was just kind of like one of those things of like, I'm just hoping that this isn't for real. Yeah. I'm hoping that any day now we're going to get a call, you know, and then I would tell, you know, talk with other boys, you know, some of the other boys and be like, what's going on with this? And they're like, Oh, I haven't heard anything. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So being told you're on hiatus was essentially the, hey, we're done. This is it. Goodbye. Right. But nobody says, I would rather they say, hey, um, 
hey, this is the end, but nobody ever said it. It sucks you guys didn't get your closure or, you know, your proper final show, you know, where you could have, you know, settled all the proper feuds, just one match, you know, everyone just sort of goes out there and, you know, sends it for one yeah. last time. It sucks that you guys never got that. And it's funny because everybody did it in their own way. Like, I know we did a, uh, we did a charity show for Francine. Um, oh, we'll get to after that, one. that. We'll Oh, get to that. Okay. So I, I didn't realize you guys had that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got that one written down. Um, okay. uh, yep. keep, keep going, Jack. Um, the next one's very interesting, and I actually got this answer from Sal when I first messaged him on Facebook a long time ago um, because I could, I could never figure out what was going on. But, Jack, take it away. Well, speaking of, you know, sort of reunion shows and stuff you guys did, um, there was, of course, the infamous – well, I think it's famous for a good reason – ECW One Night Stand 2005. June 12th in New York at the Hamstown Ballroom. Uh, super crazy, defeated Little Guido. And there was all the FBI reunion, but you weren't there. Oh, and he also defeated Jerry in there. But why weren't you there for that, the FBI reunion? Uh, at that one, I want to say I was laid up. Um, I had gotten, I had, uh, I still, I have spinal stenosis. And that was, I think, at the first point um, where I was just, bedridden for i think it was like a good week week or two that i couldn't between the sciatica and, and spinal stenosis it was just i was destroyed and i had gotten a call dreamer had asked me to do a couple of shows and i said i, I, you know, I really can't like i just don't i would love to i just can't yeah. you know to a point of like it wouldn't i couldn't even do a run in were those the appearances on raw that you were missing out on due yep. to this injury oh, oh shit. Yeah. man because like a, a, at One Night Stand, you've got Big Guido, JT Smith, Tony Marmaluke, Tracy Smothers. Uh, all that's missing is the Big Don and yourself. Funny story about Big Guido. Uh, I wrestled him in my local when I was, you know, when I told you guys I was fresh out of high school doing local shows. Uh, he was Mike Fury and I worked with him. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I remember that you know, he was, let's just say he was not nice to a new kid. Um, a bit of a prick. And then years later when he came looking for a job at ECW, I was like, you know what? Whatever, man, this guy needs to live too. And I, I was like, yeah, let's get him on, get him on board. Yep. So it was like one of those things where I just, mm, <laughs> you look back and you're just like, wow. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah he uh i see when i see especially now like every now and then people say oh fbi and then they show me pictures like keto and this other johnny gargle it up or whatever fuck his name was um and i'm like i don't, I don't know who they are but like <laughs> because that's to me that's not fbi it was never fbi yeah you know and i again hito does his thing but i just eh, it's not the same so in 2006 as well, at the second uh, One Night Stand, again, uh, FBI um, with Big Guido, uh, took on some crazy into Jerry. Second year in a, gr- in a row with no Big Sal. Is that uh, another injury or the same deal? Um, I'm trying to remember that, that pay-per-view, why I didn't. Because that one was Guido and Tony Mama tagging together. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I, if that might have been, if I was already... If I already had my first spinal surgery at that point, first or second at that point that I couldn't make, I was like, I'm not going to risk this for, for a one night thing. Cause I'm not getting back into wrestling. 
Of course. Like that was always my thing. I'm not getting back into wrestling. Yeah. Um, again, I, if the situation came about, like I would love to do commentary. I would love to do, you know, work on production, but I am not at no point do I want to get back into wrestling. So I think at that point for that pay-per-view, I might've just said, you know, I'm not available. Can't do it. Yeah. And understandable as well from uh, your position and situation at that point in time as well, not wanting to get back into wrestling, you know, especially being on a scale in a stage like that, that is still a WWE, you know, production right. that could have given you the wrestling bug to get back into it. And God knows where. And if yeah. And I don't think I would have like, I, again, I don't want to be offered because I don't want to say, I don't want to have to ever say no. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> especially to an offer like that, man. Yeah. Um, um, back to you, Carl. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about post-ECW, but still ECW-related. Um, I want to know what you thought of WWE's relaunch of Garbage. ECW. Firstly, with the invasion. <laughs> the, the invasion before we get to WWE-CW. Um, the invasion was weak. They didn't have Sandman. <laughs> no, it was, it was weak. The whole thing was weak. Um, and the zombie... Seriously, oh, come on! Like well, what that's the WWE, fuck? that's WWE, CW, but that like that that little uh, ECW group they had in the invasion with the alliance was just. There's no Sabu. Yeah. There's no Sandman. No. There's no one that really embodied. No, what ECW they was wanted. About. They got rid of the people who made it outlaw. Okay, so you no longer have the outlaw group. You got the two biggest fucking menaces to society that you've not allowed in here because they're dangerous people for your TV, for your family-friendly TV. Yeah. Well, then you don't, you're not running that show anymore. And that's, and all, that like, that's whole, just basics. Inva- that whole invasion angle with WCW and WWF, I mean, a 10-year-old oh, kid well, could have figured it out a better way yeah, of doing well, it than what they did. Yeah. That angle to end in like, what, four or five months is... is insulting to wrestling fans who died to see what was going to happen when the two brands collided. And if you want to remember ECW in the fray, then shit. So do you guys remember when Taz walked out and how real that all seemed? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then Chetty and all those guys were with him and they got thrown out. That was, come on. That was, that was perfect. Okay. That was done so well what it turned into became garbage became hot garbage and then when wwe owned it it became worse and i have it from directly from cm punk's mouth that when he was the champ he was treated poorly by the undertaker and guys like that they looked at him like he was a fucking second class citizen he had no respect yeah all right well but ECW was treated as the cast-off because, again, and it's not even like in a cool way. Oh, these are the fucking misfits. No, it wasn't even that anymore. It was just garbage. It was just awful. So, I don't know. I, have, I, have, I, have, I actually watched two episodes, and I was like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. No, yeah I want to see that. I want to see, yeah, you want to see your friends succeed, so you, you're, you're hoping. But, like, guys like Danny Doring, who – was there and he had, you know, they were going to give him a shot, but they're like, we can't figure out Never what to do with you. Chance. Never gave him a no. chance. No, he was working his ass off. So then he was there and they said, well, we're not going to put you on TV. Well, how about this? I got an idea. Nope, we're not going to do that. Okay. So everything he gave them, they shot down. 
So the same with CW yeah. Anderson. It was the same with Francine oh, when they sakes. relaunched, relaunched ECW, exactly. and and they had ECW. This is my little moment here today, talking to a former ECW guy. You you do ECW, but you air it before you, you tape it before SmackDown inside of an arena that ECW was more suited to being in those towns Small that they were venues. always in. So why not yep. have them travel and do their own thing and try and brand it that way as opposed to being on in a big arena before SmackDown with a makeshift fucking set. It's, it's insulting to, to me. And that was, and that was the... That was the third strike for me, and that's why I stopped watching WWF. It was the invasion, it was the NWO getting fucked up, and then when ECW came along and I had my hopes up high, when they fucked that up so fucking badly when anyone could have figured out how to do that correctly, that was when I was like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I know that what it was, it's, not, it's never going to be that way again. No. And that's, that's the thing I keep saying. And even they did the Shane Douglas did a re reboot at the arena and all these people came and they keep doing these reboots and reboots and reboots. You're never going to get that vibe. No. Um, even if you had, we, you know, we had, when we went back and did uh, the legends thing, we met the fans that were there, the first hat guy and this guy and that guy, all the guys that you saw and you will always say it wasn't the same. It can never be the same. It never going to be the same stop trying to catch it so do your the, own thing did the june 27th 2009 legends of the arena reunion show does it at least in a little bit feel authentic or had it the did. uh old ecw arena changed too much well the arena changed completely it was no longer yeah. a dank shithole um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh it was it was it had changed but at the same time <clears throat> it was good to see those people Anything after that, this has been done to death. How many reunions are we having? Well, there was one more after that. It was on the 8th of <laughs> August, 2010 for TNA Hardcore Justice. Uh, where um, Yourself, Guido, Tony Mamaluke, and Tracy Spothers were there. And um, yeah. they defeated Kid Cash, Johnny Swinger, and Simon Diamond. Yeah. Tell me about the TNA experience. You, you finally were there for one of these reunion shows. <clears> yeah, we had a great you. time. You had, you had fun? Oh man, I loved it. Uh, TNA was super, super cool to us. Um, they were literally, they were just honestly, just super nice to us. Um, they took care of us. They were very, all the boys there were really, really cool. Um, Dixie, everybody was, everybody was just super nice. Um, it was a great experience. It was a professional. Everything was, was really great. Um, and we had fun. And then they, you know, they, they asked, they did the thing where, Hey, we're, we're going to get the FBI back together. And I was like, no, no, we're not. <laughs> and uh, Guido and Tony did a couple of shows after that for TNA and they got, they got squashed. So that's a shame because they could have yeah. done a lot. Yeah. They really could have been. Right on the TNA stage. And then yeah. that would have went away. Yeah. Um, you know what? Honestly, wrestling has become, almost the equivalent of the drummer in spinal tap. Like your job is not guaranteed. You could be dead tomorrow because they, the, the climate changes so fast and then your people being fired, let go. Well, now Paul doesn't have a job anymore. Now Bruce is, is running it. Whatever. So, yeah, yeah, actually, I, I wanted to throw that in today. I mean, Jesus. I mean, 
how can Paul not do a good job if he's unfiltered? Like, let him just have his exactly. vision for a year, and I'm sure it'll be fine. When he was Great. running OVW, I saw that shit. I downloaded it. And what he did with OVW back in the day was really fucking awesome. And just, just Vince, just let him just try it. Just for six months. See how it goes. But no, I just feel like Vince McMahon... Like, you know what happens now and he can't he you know he keeps he's so out of touch it's ridiculous they don't um, need 30 riders man the somebody will go oh. okay i'll I'm, i show up and i say oh you know what this jack kid he's got potential <laughs> this jack kid's got potential i want to push him i'm going to come up with a storyline jack is going to fuck carl over it's going to be awesome it'll be <laughs> wonderful it'll be a big heel turn nobody will see it coming you got the baby face it'll be great and then I decide, they decide I'm no longer needed here. So now I'm out. And the next guy who comes in kind of didn't like me. Maybe had some heat with me. And then goes, oh, what were you doing? Oh, J- yeah, Jack, okay, we're going to hold off this week on, on TV for you. Oh, bullshit. And now, but now that's what happens. Now the big push I had for you is gone. Yeah. yeah. Because you've been replaced. All because somebody had heat with Paul. So now anything he pushed gets squashed. Yeah, like I, I noticed it when I watched WWF and Vince Russo was uh, pushing Test. And then as soon as uh, Russo was gone, Test was just getting just right in yep. his fucking asshole, dude. Just fucking mm-hmm. took it hard, yep. you know. And, and now and he's that's, doing that's fucking what I laugh nothing. About. Well, yeah. Vince or Test? I mean, I, yeah, oh, no, no. <laughs> I just meant I mean, yeah, like test, after test Vince was gone, test, right now, pal. no, he's not. But he, at the time, in the storylines, he was doing nothing okay. after being like engaged to Stephanie McMahon. I right? Mean, Jesus. Yeah, Christ. he was he was groomed to be the next thing. Yeah, and it just as soon as as soon as that push went away from he's, he's on fucking Sunday Night Hate every week. Yep. Yep. Or. Uh, was was the other one? Five hundred one or was the was the other bullshit? WWF <laughs> metal. There was, a, there was some other horse shit that was garbage. Metal um, jacked. The like, jacked. That was the other one. Jacked. <laughs> <laughs> garbage. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, I don't know. Like it's it's one of those things that you need to have someone in your corner. You need to have somebody just always there to protect you. But in the climate that it is now, it's there's no nothing is stable. No, no one is, not. you know, when, when you, when you fire somebody like fucking, uh, Briscoe, <laughs> like, wait, what? This has been your stooge for how long? <laughs> now you, now you're going to get rid of them. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like these things don't make sense in even business in business. If you have somebody who knows your company, who knows your product, who knows your situation, there are certain points when, okay, yeah, you're out of touch. Maybe we need to replace it with fresh blood. Sure. But yeah. you've done that a dozen times in the past year. You've replaced people with this person. You've replaced writers with new writers. It can't, it can't be all their new fault. writers with new writers. It can't yes. be all their fault. It can't be all well, Eric it's, it's never Vince's. and Paul and Christopher Joseph. It can't be all their fault. But this... it's never Vince's. That's, that's the thing. So now who are you going to blame? So now let me ask you a question. So you're the second guy. You're the number two guy. Okay. It's not Vince's fault. Whose fault is it? Oh, it's number two. So now you have to scramble. It'll be Bruce's fault soon. It'll be Bruce's fault. Right, but now you – so Bruce has to scramble and figure out who he's going to blame for this being a botch. Yeah. 
Someone else will get fired. So, right. And then it'll be somebody else's fault. And then it'll be the women's division. And then it'll be there'll be pushes all over the place. I'll be honest. I'm and just in, in the situation going on now um, and in our country with BLM and all this other stuff. Um, have you guys seen what Titus Titus came out and had a, an amazing, an amazing promo about, you know, unity and everybody working together. I'm, I am hundred percent honest. Yeah. I am hundred percent shocked that Vince hasn't brought him back to fucking goof him up. Just to make him do goofy shit. Yeah. Fucking hell. You know, you know. Because yeah. that would be Vince. That would be exactly what Vince would do. Vince would go, yeah, just see what he did. It was great, great, great stuff. Great stuff. Get him in. Get him in. Get him in. Bring him in here. And he'd bring him in. And then he would make, and, and to use the word, they would make him do fucking ridiculous coonery. Yeah. Just, because, just, to, just to show who's in charge. And he, he touched Vince at once. So, you know, they, oh, they squash his pay per view push. Ridiculous. So I, 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 I am so I am one hundred percent shocked that Vince has not got him back after his amazing, amazing promo during this whole riot situation. I honestly thought I would expect to see you know hear that Titus got rehired and got a big pushback. <laughs> yeah, just, Jack, what have you got now? Um, looking back on your career at this point, do you have any regrets? I never got to work with Vader. That would have been awesome. I wanted to, I always wanted to work with him. And I know this is going to sound so weird, but I've always wanted to work with somebody who I wouldn't have to be afraid to hit. Yeah. Cause you could, you could, yeah. I heard he was a stiff son of a bitch too. And when I met him, he was a real prick. <laughs> and I was so, I was so disappointed. So I just made fun of him the whole time. Um, he kept trying, like, and I, I again, You'll be hard pressed to find people who will have a nice thing to say about Vader, but I, I loved like I literally I I've watched all of his matches, I've watched all of his tapes, and I loved everything he did. And I always wanted to do what he did, but I always wanted to work with him later on. Yeah, and that was the one thing I was very upset about. That like in my later on, like in my you know doing indies and stuff, I was like, oh, man, I'd love to work with Vader and just be able to throw back and forth and be like, yeah, man, cool. And I told him, I met him, I met him uh, at, at one of the conventions, and I told him that. And I said, man, I've been a huge fan of yours. You've always inspired me. And I always wanted to work with you um, just as a, you know, as a thing. I, uh, man, I would have loved to have us just gone at it and just hammered each other the whole time. And he, he kind of blew it off. And then I asked him, I said, would you mind if I got a picture with you? I just really, and he was like, he goes, well, it has to be 20 bucks, man. And I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck you. are you serious? So at that point, I was like, really? So I said, hey, can I wear the mask? And I, I picked up his fucking helmet. <laughs> I picked up his helmet. I was like, can I wear it? And he's like, no, no, don't put it down. Put it down. I got to get nervous. So I was like, all right, you know what? I paid the $20. I paid the $20 to him. And he stood in, he wanted to stand in front of me and he had to angle himself so he looked bigger. But now I'm, a, I'm like, probably a good seven inches taller than he is and i just fucking kept doing this kept puffing up and bigger and he kept trying to outbig me and he kept trying to get bigger and i would just blow up bigger behind him and then at one point i just put my shoulder in front of him with a picture that i have and i have to find the picture it's a picture of me and him and my shoulders in front of his face 
And I just, <laughs> it was always one of those things of like, seriously, man, don't like, it just ruined it. You've ruined everything I ever thought of you because there's no, there was no need for it. There was no need to be a prick. Yeah. I just, I just finished telling you how, how much I admired you and I, I really admired your work and your ethic. And even though you're hurt, you're still going, I, I fucking appreciate. And he just fucking shit on me. I was like, wow. And I was sitting nah, across. Shit. You know, th- yeah. But uh, those were, that was the two days I got to actually get redemption for old stuff. Um, him and I got Lex Luger. Because uh, Lex Luger now looks like the Crypt Keeper. So uh, he was a prick to me a long, long time ago. And then when he sat across from me at his table signing, I just fucking just unleashed on him all day. And I was like, look at this motherfucker. Who let that corpse in the fucking room? And I was like, I kept telling kids, I'm like, hey, man, go get your picture taken with the Crypt Keeper before he goes. And uh, he didn't remember. And I said, that's fine. It doesn't matter if you remember or not. I do. And, you know, what are you going to say to me? What are you going to hit me? You're going to break your wrist. Look at you. You look like Mr. Salty, the stick pretzel guy. There's nothing you're going to, you know. So look what happened. And then that's what I, that's something I've always remembered. You never know who you're going to meet later on in life. You never know going to know what situation you're going to be in next time you meet them. Of course. So that is something to take uh, forever and ever. I will always remember that because I know I'm an asshole. There's things I say and do that just asshole things, but I always try to treat everybody with respect that I wanted the thing yeah. given to me. So again, like I get to see guys like that. Guys were on top of the world, and now they're fucking selling jerseys on porn stars. So whatever, man. <laughs> Who's your closest friend in the business uh, through everything? Uh, it's probably gonna. I'm gonna say I have. I'm. I give you the list of guys I talk to. Um, guys like Crowbar, guys like Danny, guys like Roadkill, uh, Nova. Uh, just uh, like these guys are the same guys that talk. Um, Stevie Richards, yeah. uh, me and Stevie, uh, GGP, uh, he's an indie wrestler guy. Kid is fucking amazing. Uh, ben, uh, Ben Hameen from the Horseman. Uh, funny thing. I met him for my first show in Queens, uh, Queens, New York. He was a fan and I met him and started talking with him. And then later, years later, he had had his own, you know, he was an OVW. He was a writer for OVW. You know, so you know, it's again, it's one of those things of life keeps taking you around and you keep meeting the same people. But these guys I talk to, they're daily because I've literally forgotten everyone else. Yeah. They've been, you know, it's just, I have no need for them in my life anymore because either they're negative or they're just, I don't need that kind of insanity. These are the people I kept around because they're like family and I've, they've, we've become family. You know, we were family back then almost because we were forced to. Now we're family because we choose to. So it's like, you know, um, so Pat Kenny, I see, you know, I I talk to him on social media because, you know, he's busy. He's a busy dude. But again, these are guys I loved. Dawn Marie, me and Dawn, I found out we went to the same high school together. Don't let her told, don't let her know I told you, but she's older than me. So (laughs) So, yeah, she was, she was a couple of years ahead of me in high school, but we all went to the same high school together. We knew the same people. And then when we first got our ECW start, we started within a couple months, a month or two of each other. So it was kind of cool seeing that, but yeah, it's a, but if you right now, Steve, like, you know, Stevie Richards, this kid, that guy, if you want to look up the word saint, it's, it, it would be Stevie Richards. This kid is, he is, man, I call him a kid. He'd be, he'd fucking pop at that. Um, 
he's honestly become one of my closest friends and because he is genuinely the nicest person on the planet. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into a whole social diatribe about stuff, but when this guy does things for the good of people, he does things and doesn't look to get paid or recognition or anything. And people, fans, and that sickens me when they say things like, what does he know he's a jobber? Or uh, like this guy has put together a fitness, Stevie Richards Fitness. He's put this together through hard work, through research, through doing it. And if you look at him, okay, I don't know, he's stooged off enough. He's 40, 47, 48 years, no, let's see, 49, might be 49 years old. This guy is in fucking amazing shape. Oh, yeah. If, you know, if, and I, not to free plug anything, but if you go look, go look him up right now. Right now. Don't go look up fucking right to censor pictures, you assholes. That's a fright. No, people are the first thing they're going to do. <laughs> go look up. Go look up Stevie Richards Fitness right now and look at this man's body, what he does every day. I will vouch for himself. I, I follow Stevie Richards on, in, on Instagram, so I see his workout videos okay. every single so day. So you can testify I that can, I'm, not, I'm not making shit up. He has this fucking incredible like, setup in his lounge room that like, folds away and like, becomes yeah. a piece of the furniture, and then he can just bring it back out into full gym. Let me, let me explain to you. Oh, his house is a gym. Okay. He, he, despite his, his wife's disagreement, their house is a friggin', it beats any LA fitness you can ever see or planet fitness. Stevie's house got him beat. Um, but he is honestly, he is one of the nicest people on the planet. And I feel like people who call themselves fans. And I, that again, like I said, that just sickens me when on Facebook for no reason, they give his shit thumbs down. Meanwhile, he's giving away free content. Yeah, and I dare you. I dare you to find any DDP or any of these other guys who have who have their super workout shit. Nobody gives away free content. He does it for people's betterment, just because for betterment. And you know, I don't know. He's he's one of the people I've embraced as a brother because he's just without. He's a, one of the most selfless people on the planet. So he seems, that's he seems fucking yeah. awesome, man. Like we would love to talk to him one day. Reach out to him. He's not. He's not a dick. Um, I'll talk to him. I'll let him know if you know. Just let him know if you guys are interested and you guys want to talk. I'll tell Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because I think, like I, I, said, think he, I think yeah. his story is incredibly interesting. True. He is just the broken he, if neck you be, and WW mm-hmm. and uh, right to censor. Thanks, Terry Funk. <laughs> shit afterward you know i think his career is very interesting so we would love to and talk he's to fought him. he has fought like limit like some talk about depression imagine being in the wwe living your dream and being miserable every day oh, yeah fuck, man. you know what i mean i couldn't picture so, it man. like you finally get to that point and it takes so much hard work over so many years and you're just fucking hating it Every second you're there. Poor guy. Oh, it's just, better. <laughs> totally deserve better. It's, it's depressing to think about. Like, it's just, oh. like I said, um, it's like, you know, it's just one of those things where you're just kind of like, oh, really? You don't want to research anymore because you're like, I don't want to know. I want to stay a little, little stupid right now. I don't want to take the red pill yet. Yeah, you don't. You, you want to stay. You want to stay like with a little the uh, the toddler mentality. You know, you want to be a little mm-hmm. stupid with everything again. Yep. Or at least for the rest of your life. But um. Jack, do you want to um, do you want to ask your last question before we get to five second frenzy? 
Yeah, um, I think we actually touched on this before, but what do you think of the state of the wrestling business today? It is a baby diaper full of drizzling shit. That's perfect. That's perfect. Brilliant. Um, right, so we have a segment here, Sal, where it's, it's called Five Second Frenzy. And yeah. essentially, you have five seconds to answer each question. Mm-hmm. And okay. even if you don't make the five seconds, there's nothing I can do about it because I live in Perth, Western <laughs> Australia. Um, so I'm just going to just quick fire questions. I want to get on. We want to learn about you, the things that you like, the things that you love in life. Are you keen? Okay. Yeah, let's go, man. Okay. Number one, favorite musical artist. Guar. Oh, man. Did not did not see that one coming. That's great. Uh, favorite TV show? Uh, currently don't have one. No. Uh, uh, yeah. No, no. Currently don't have one. No. I, I, I liked it, but it's over. Uh, your favorite opponent? Um, definitely would be uh, Danny and Roadkill. Favorite match? Danny and Roadkill. <laughs> Yeah. What's your favorite? What's your favorite food? Sushi. Interesting. Your favorite film? Well, it's yeah, that's a lot. Um, Excalibur. Favorite alcoholic beverage? Beer. Nice. Enjoy. What's your favorite female body part? Yes. <laughs> um. What's that? Uh, what's that useless? Uh, the skin around the vagina. What's that called? Oh, a woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those things. Uh, you, and like lastly, this. what is your favorite curse word? Uh cunt has become my f- super, super favorite. Oh man, you're a real Australian. I've loved it. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I went to Ireland and had, I was just laughing the entire time. How good is I was just enjoying it. Oh, I was enjoying it the whole time. And then when I got back to the airport and I was like, oh, what a cunt. And I, was, and I realized that nobody, it didn't translate. And people that. were just like, oh, they were going to fight me. And I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> people, people get offended real quick if they're. Oh, open. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love like uh, foreigners discovering like foreigners to Australian culture. Yeah. Discovering cunt is a yes, very common word. It here. really like, is. I was talking to someone from Ohio three weeks ago on Call of Duty, and he and his, as soon as he found out the word was accepted, we started throwing that thing around like the sand. Fuck yeah, cunts! Let's go, cunts! Oh yeah. Two seconds. I find it just to be so amusing. Anyway. Yeah. No. I, I trust me, man. I, I do. Um, <laughs> and that's one of the reasons that I don't go on live chat on cod is because um chunks and horrible words that get thrown around <laughs> oh yeah um sal um before we go and we 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 sail off into the sunset i just want to ask you if you have anything you'd like to plug or anything else that you would like to say to your fans or or anyone out there that's ah, watching the, right the, now. the people who remember the people who enjoyed it i'm, I'm glad you did and i'm glad uh, i can entertain you Thanks for letting me. Um, as far as plugging, uh, we do for Hameen, Hameen Media Network, we do uh, The Conspiracy Horseman every Wednesday on Twitch at 7.15, I think it is. Um, we do um, also The Hard Junkyard, which is my me and my friend Chuck and our friend Kat. We watch 
awful movies, non-mainstream horror movies. And then we just talk about them, basically shit on them while we drink. Um, and there's, again, go back to the Hameen Media Network. There's tons of stuff on there. Um, all of us, our friend uh, Matt Gage, uh, Schaefer, he, uh, he has Sucked by Balls, which is the South Park podcast. And then we have NFO, which GGP runs, which is, to me, one of the most amazing Star Wars podcasts out there. They have their shit together. It's amazing. Uh, so aside from that, just that's, that's pretty much it. I keep low key and, um, I'm going to work and I work on, uh, gaming. I'm a, I'm a big game nerd. So, awesome. uh, you know, I, I keep writing, keep doing artwork for, uh, some friends doing role-playing games. And, uh, I try to write out some modules for games. Uh, and aside from that, I just play games with friends. You know, I play Zombicide, shit like that. Like, again, big dork. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's awesome, man. I'm I'm much the same. Uh, not so much for that. Just massive into video games. Pretty much all genres, really. Like, way too much into it. Takes too much drama. My friend Chuck on Horror Junkyard. He is the our producer as well. Um, he is big into the conventions and uh, DBZ and all fighting game platforms. Um, so he keeps me up to date on all the tech stuff that wise because I I play Call of Duty. I play Diablo. I play Doom. Like those, those are my three. Actually, and now I, I, I actually want to get the Predator game just to play a Predator for a while. So, um, yeah. But aside from that, like he keeps me updated on video games. But aside from that, I'm a, I'm a book guy. I'm a role playing nerd guy. So I do that shit all day. Um, collect my dice and shit like that. So, uh, J- Jack, I think you and Sal should hook up and, and play a little Call of Duty together at some point. Well, One when I get have- a yeah, you. I, I play on PS4. Um, One of us will remember started ping, but I'm sure we'll make it work. <laughs> There'll be a some serious lag, but it'll work. It'll work. <laughs> I appreciate you being on here very, very much. And I know when um, we were first talking, you thought that me and Jack would fall asleep. And <laughs> I'm still awake. Here's the the whole test. We started this at 11 p.m. our time, 11 a.m. your time. We're still ready. We're still, you know, we're still, we're still going. We're still doing, you know, this is why we wanted to interview you because we're interested in your career and you might think we were going to fall asleep, but as far as I'm concerned, you were an unsung hero in the wrestling business. You did some (laughs) great things and you were at the height of the wrestling business on television. And I want you to know that we appreciate you and everything that you did. Thanks, man. Like guys, thank you for having me on. uh, You know, again, that's it's really cool to to know people are out there who dig it. So, uh, yeah, man, thanks for having me. And I'll and you just let me know when. Also, let me know when you're going to do this. I could put this out on uh, on our shows, and we could talk about it whenever you guys uh, get you guys over. You know, not that you're not over, but let people know where to find Fifty Five Live. Awesome, man. We will do it. No, it's been an absolute pleasure, and especially as a growing channel, it's also just awesome to be able to sort of talk to people who are also doing the same as what we're doing and willing to get the word out there. So I'd really, that'd be fucking awesome, man. Really appreciate that. And Excellent. of course, no problem. Really appreciate your time. It has been, literally been two and a half hours we've been going for now. So I can just talk for it. That's why I'm a fucking, I'm a drone on. And you said at the start so, of the interview that we would only go for what twenty minutes. Yeah, two and a half hours later. So. There we go. All right, gents. Well, thank you again very much. And if you ever need anything, give me a holler, okay? Awesome, man. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sal.